Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Tooele Happy Hour podcast starring Jared Anderson and David Weiss. Today's guest, she doesn't have an announcement, <laughs> but she is exploring some interesting ideas and she's going to share some of them with us today. Carolyn, will you introduce yourself to our lovely audience here in Tooele? Yes, I'd be happy to. Carolyn Fippen. And I am looking at the very seriously looking at the U.S. Senate seat that will be up next year. And uh, yeah, what do you want me to start with? I can, here's the problem. Anybody who's a politician or a potential politician, we know how to talk for hours. So it needs to be directed or I'll just talk for hours. It seems like most politicians know how to talk for hours and say nothing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I know. I could like, do the same. They're, they're, they're <laughs> endearing and... <clears throat> intriguing and bland it's crazy yeah well i'll tell you i hate political speeches i hate listening to political speeches mm. i've worked in politics for years and i skip most political speeches yeah i for that very reason nothing gets deep nothing gets substantive you don't learn much of anything let me let me ask you this yeah. carolyn first and straight off the bat we can't make certain statements right now on the show and there's legal reasons behind that, and we were just talking about them behind the scenes here. Is it dangerous for a normal person to run for political office without a specialized lawyer in political election law? Federal office, yes. It's really different. You know, in the state of Utah, we don't have a lot of laws that govern... Um, I, I don't want to say we don't have a lot of laws that govern elections. I mean, we do. But when it comes to candidates, we have a lot of flexibility at the state level and ability to do different things. It is very limited and strict um, in federal elections, right? In, in federal, when running for federal office, I'll say. More so for Republicans than Democrats, or is it oh, just... Oh, it's the same. <laughs> uh, it's the same. The laws are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we don't need to go into I can say that. differences the in the, the justice uh, application. Well, anyway, so when I talked to you on the phone, yeah, you said you're okay covering any subject. Yeah, well, okay, let's hope. Well, let's, well, any, <laughs> let's talk about particular yeah. news sets. Let's get a feel for just an imaginary, like say you were a politician on the national stage. How would you deal with right now... The hot topic is, uh, of course, Israel and Palestine. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? What is your kind of leanings in what's going on over there in the in the the great quagmire? Yeah. Well, I can say that that it's really clear that we that there is a lot, and this is probably typical in war, that there are a lot of things we don't know or things that look different than they may really be. And we discovered that earlier this week, right? With that bombing of the hospital. <laughs> with the, um, and with let the me bombing put that in of quotes. the hospital slash parking lot. Parking slash, lot. Slash IDF did it slash maybe it was Hamas. Yeah. No, it was, it was uh, what are they saying latestly? It's the... Islamic Jihad did it and not Hamas. So there's a third group in there playing around now. <laughs> I think there are more than three. I right? think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. I mean, I don't know if Hezbollah has worked its way down, but, you know, we don't know who's where. Well, it's not Trump's yeah. fault, right? Well, yeah. hey, well, yeah. we take yeah. a stand. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything is Trump's fault. You know, it is true. Do you remember? I'm sure all of us remember how we were told 
for four years that he was going to take us to nuclear war. I saw no signs of that. Uh, no signs of that. And uh-huh. I have seen a lot of signs of that in the past couple of years that we're headed in that direction. And I think that's concerning and ought to be concerning for every American. Frankly, every person on the planet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, shockingly, yes. There yes. was a, a comedian in the 80s. Uh, heck, what was his name? Um, I'll remember his name as soon as it doesn't matter. Yeah. But he used to have... Uh, kind of a skit where he said, kind of the threat in the world, we we dig up the, you know, the craziest person and parade them around as a dead person, but parade them around as president so no one messes with us. <laughs> and I think the world may have saw Trump as just that loose cannon that might yeah. be that crazy person. And Nobody played around. Right. But not not um, crazy enough that they were concerned, but sane enough that they understood that he was serious. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody say something the other day that he, because he was such a good negotiator, he always tried to find what the upside was for the, the, the person he was negotiating he with He found a win well, for both sides. Right? He, right. he found an avenue to win, and he didn't look for, which I think is common in this day and age, is uh, like our negotiations with, with North Korea is either uh, we go in there too heavy-handed and, and offer nothing, or we go in and lay out everything, and then they think yeah. we're just rolling over and bearing our, our soft underbelly. And he went in there and said, look, we'll make a deal, but we're both going to have to toe this line. There's going to be a line that's yeah. going to have to be towed. Obviously, our line isn't as bad as yours because, one, I mean, America, hey, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we are we, who we are. We, we, you know, I mean, we spend your GDP in just feeding our army. So, you know, <laughs> shut up. But... Um, it, but it it seemed to work. And yeah. Let's face it. I mean, I've, I've, I am not, I wasn't a Trump supporter. I'm not because honestly, um, it's not about anything Trump did. I just don't think that within our current paradigm, we're going to have any significant change. It's going to salvage hmm. uh, what we're seeing. Um, but he crossed the DMZ. Right. He walked across Freedom Bridge. And went over there and had a civilized meeting, which is insane. Right. Oh, yeah. And and he was roundly criticized for it by the media. Of course. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know what? So let's go back for a minute to what we're seeing right now with Israel. Yes. Yes. Because I think every single one of us can agree that uh, the murder of families and children in their homes is wrong. Can can we agree to this? The raid that was targeted against uh, just civilians in right. their homes and right. against uh, the kibbutz. For anyone who doesn't know what a kibbutz is, it's a <laughs> religious communist compound, which is extremely important for their economy, where their economy ha- is a, uh, not their not just their economy, where their model of a Jewish state, where anybody of the religious ethnic background, how do you put it, religious background, ethnic I don't know, but everyone's welcome. So they have these kind of 
everyone hates socialism, but in this it works and it's kind of needed because they have this, this, this growth model that has to be available. You know what I'm saying? So tell me this. I don't know this piece. Is that like government run and organized or is it separate? It's religious, are, isn't it? It's they? mostly ran religiously. The government does support them. Okay. But they're, they're, they'd be like a little farm community. Yeah. So it is communist in nature, but it's not forced communism. It's right. kind of a religious uh, communalism, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. And, and But they targeted those. Right. Mostly. Right. And then to fire, they fired, what, 2,000 rockets in that first day one. Those rockets... I don't know how they got them in there. Yeah, I know they're mostly homemade, except those rocket pods they were firing, those were engineered. Huh. Yeah, I still can't figure out how this happened, and I'm not wise to uh, the ways of war. Um, so it's not surprising that I haven't figured it out, but I haven't come across anybody who has figured yeah, it out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there, I don't think there's too many avenues too many circumstances, just like with any war. I mean, we could get the most brilliant minds on this war. They're not going to exactly be able to predict how this would go. I just know that any way you cut it, we're in for um, a lot of green grass growing. Yep. Yeah, this is a problem. And, and I'll tell you what else I think hopefully we can all agree on with what we've seen the past, what, two weeks almost, is... The fact that, like, I'm shocked at all of the anti-Semitic Whoa. statements and behavior I'm seeing. Like, I, I'm shocked. It's insane. I, I right? actually, you know, a lot of the claims of racism, <laughs> anti-Semitism that we see, I think oftentimes people go too far uh, all, all the time when they say racism. But even that's anti-Semitic, oftentimes I think they've gone too far, you know, in pulling things in to being anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah. We are seeing absolutely blatant, horrible anti-Semitic statements and behavior from seemingly rational people right now. I would say the the ADL blew their nut on a lot of stuff that didn't count. And now Uh, they're going to have a hard time uh, arguing a lot of these things that do. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, okay, what is it? What's their name? is it Rashida Tlaib? Oh, yeah. Now, she is the squad. Ethnic, ethnically Palestinian. Most of the squad came out against Hamas. Um, oh, did they? Yeah. Uh, okay, good. AOC came out against what happened. But Rashida Tlaib came out with the milly mouth. Oh, what do you expect him to do under him? Well, we expect him not to burn babies alive. Y- yeah. The, the, I mean, just, the, just, at a very minimum. Let's just lay yeah. that as a blanket. Yes. You know, um, I will say... I'm going to give a point to Hamas because no one ever thought of using paragliders the way they did. (laughs) I have to say the Hamas Air Force is not very sturdy, but ingenuitive. (laughs) But, and I've wanted to say that for a week now. God, I'm glad to get that off. Just go paragliding and get it out of your system. But, But what they did, I mean, just the wholesale annihilation of families in yeah. their homes yeah um is and it's and it's not like they were on the west bank where the west bank is where you had the current day kind of arguments of encroachment yeah i of pulled israelis. up a map when this happened yeah. because i thought okay i really don't know there what's are no, where there yeah. are no israelis 
occupying any of the Gaza Strip. None. Mm. They got pulled out. Because the West Bank, you know, the 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 uh, Palestinian Authority, they've kind of made, made peace with uh, Israel. I don't know if they've made peace, but they've just toned it down. And Hezbollah, I mean, obviously they're up in... Um, they're up in, uh, oh, what's that country that starts with an L above Israel? Why am I forgetting? Libya? Words? No. Lebanon? Lebanon. Lebanon. They're up oh, in Lebanon, yeah. and, and, you know, I mean, they've already ruined Lebanon, so they don't got much to argue with. But you got Hamas down in just the Gaza Strip. I mean, they're probably elsewhere. But they're the ones that seem to be, you know, in an uprising right now. And... I don't know. I have I have multiple concerns on this. Of course, I don't want to see Palestinians massacred wholesale. No, we don't want this for anybody. No. Anybody with any humanity does not want to see innocent people murdered. How about can, how about that for yeah. a starting point, right? Yeah, just leave it it's at pretty that. Pretty simple. Like I argued on the last show, um, I think Palestine or I think the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip should argue from a point of weakness just like Martin Luther King did, mm. argue, for, argue through peace and try to become a state of Israel. Mm. I honestly think they should, but... But they won't, yeah. Jared. They would they have won't. to sacrifice Hamas to do that. Well, that's right. That's the problem. And they voted for him. They did. Uh, and their sentiment as a normal peasant over there in Palestine is yeah. of that perspective, too. And I don't think most right. Americans can get a grip on that mentality. No, we have. I say this all the time, like perspective is everything. And when it comes to uh, an appreciation for this nation and an understanding of what life is like to others. Right. And we are in so many ways. I, I'm sorry. So naive. Right. And we don't understand that the freedoms we enjoy, the underpinnings of our society that um, have historically driven toward like a, a moral life with respect for others around us. This is not universal. I think it's universal to man. I don't think it's universal in all societies. So things, different things are taught and encouraged. And uh, we have to be real about that in order to be able to adequately address the actual things that are going on. Otherwise, we're fools. I'm going to give you a hot take on that. I don't think it's universal to man. I think it's universal to humans who are descendant of German, ancient German moot and justice codes. Because that's where this is all born from. Yeah, but wait just a minute though. But you're talking about culture and society. Yeah. It's not universal in cultures or societies. It is, I believe that it is universal to man. I don't know. I think the average Chinese person would disagree. But, but this is, but you're, again, I, and maybe you're not, but I think you're arguing about societal values yeah. that are taught. Well, I, I think I think it eventually it ingrains in your genes. Have, okay, well, okay, that's that could be. That I could think be. it just I, I think it just gets ingrained. Like like you know how they do studies on yep. do you learn lessons from your parents? Yeah. 
Uh, well, they have done studies, right, that specific types of behavior yeah, and, does influence. And I yeah. think it comes down. And so the Chinese, they go through what's called legalism. That's their, their, uh, their process for uh, societal adjudication. And then, of course, you know, the, the Islamic culture, they come down with a strong authoritarianism revolving around a religion. Um, the Iberian Peninsula... There's a reason that anything born out of the Iberian Peninsula is uh, is historically a place that hasn't been successful on a free market economic stage, and that's because everything was for the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, you know, you could be a a colony of Spain, but everything you did had to go to Spain. It was a mercantilism system, you know. And Germany, in the, you know, just past the caveman days, practice a kind of a, uh, they called it a moot system, where if they had a king, the king wasn't the all authority. And the people would gather and have a vote, and that got carried over into England, you know, the, through the Vikings and through, you know, I mean, let's face it, their royal family's German as well. Mm -hmm. And and so it comes that way. Not saying that the Germans hasn't fallen away from that a couple times in history, <laughs> but we don't need to dig in too deep. <laughs> but, you know. No, we don't, Jared. <laughs> but, you know, th these things are, are have been there forever. I mean, we're talking, we're talking uh, 500 B.C. when legalism, I mean, legalism is born out of a, a, a bonding of Confucianism and... Uh, what is it, uh, Taoism. And and that's where they get that growth of that. And, you know, here I am sounding like a professor. Believe me, I don't know shit. I listen to other people that know stuff. But what about the Palestinian perspective? So, so I, I as a human being, believe that we have four properties that we can all share in common. And that's, I don't like people to take my stuff. I don't care where you come from. I just don't like it, and they won't either. I don't like people to try to kill me. I don't want to be raped. And I, I, I think when I keep a contract, it makes me a better person. And I think that is a property that is throughout all of humanity. Now, right now, we have people killing each other back and forth. Palestine and Israel and, and these societies can't get along. They just can't. And ever since I was a... a well, I don't even think I was born when That's that right. conflict was. That's right. Yeah, long was, before that. Yeah. So, so here we are in a stage where the Palestinians just really gave a good throttle to a very powerful Israeli nation. And, uh, you know, I, I would say it's negligible of a government to allow such hostile, hostile nations to border them and exist. But yeah, Israel, even after they were attacked by five different armies allows Palestine to exist and continues to get harassed by Palestine. And let's face it, I mean, the Israelis were victorious during that war where five countries ganged up against them and they beat them down. I don't think the Roman Empire would have been so kind to Palestine if it was the other in that historical perspective. But Israel has allowed Palestine to exist, and this is how they are treated now, this current day. We have to take a side somewhere. I think we all have to take a side, because if we say, oh, we don't want people to get hurt, 
I think it's immature because I know if someone is releasing lions and tigers and bears into my property that lives next door and I, I have a family to protect, I'm going to kill them if I can win and if I can preserve my family. It's just my natural instinct as a biological human being to want to protect my family and myself. And here we are. This is the situation that we're in. But you're the candidate, and you're going to have to take a stand one way or the other. Well, I'm not a candidate right well, now. I mean, you're not the candidate. <laughs> if you were a candidate. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's a great question. No, no, it's clear to me. And here's the thing. Again, there is not a country of Palestine. Think about nope, this. there is not. This is a group of people who live within Israel. Um, and, and I... I, I wouldn't even put it that way. There are a group of people that lived within an empire that collapsed at the end of World War I okay. and then was carved up and forced yeah. to live together yes. by Great Britain. Yes. And then Great Britain brought in a radical... Uh, Imam or whatever they want to call him, a radical, uh, and that radical fomented mm-hmm. um, hatred of the Jewish people that yeah. that they were living. The, the Palestinians prior to that were like welcoming to the Jewish people to come there because they had mm. been persecuted everywhere else. So I don't think I knew that piece. And, and then I'm in 1929, actually... it boiled over, and that was kind of the first revolution. And it's it's insane to read about. Yeah. Well, I, are, are you talking about the Muslim Brotherhood? This is before the Muslim Brotherhood okay. existed. Okay. Um, so, yeah, years ago, I studied a lot of this. It's been a long time. And, and frankly... Well, clear as mud, even when you study it. I know. There? But I do think that it's really easy to say that those things that we saw two weeks ago are wrong, that they ought to be punished... There, there have to be repercussions, and Israel has a right to defend itself and its people and I, do whatever it takes to protect them going forward. I do have a hard question. Okay. So, word on the street is, and there's documentation and stuff to, to validate this, was that uh, Netanyahu supported and aided the creation of Hamas to get rid of the Palestinian Authority in Gaza. Hmm. How do we manage that? Well, you know what? I don't know that we need to manage it. I think that may be part of the problem. I, yeah, right? I'm, I'm kind of with you on, I think we need not manage any of that going on over there. That's right. We need to look at that as an overused outhouse in the canyon. We're going to drive down the road and find somewhere else. Here's the thing. I think that we are involving ourselves in a lot of things uh, right now, and we have historically, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of wars and um, inter... What do I want to say? Like inter-country feuds. And anytime the United States of America, with our power and our money and our influence enters into a battle, we, I think things get blown up bigger. We create more problems down the road. How many times have we been on one side of a fight and within a decade or two, we're on the other because we created a monster? 
And we don't need to talk about Al-Qaeda today. <laughs> this has happened repeatedly. Or we don't even have to talk about Sigmund Rhee if you want to go all the way back to 1950. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> so truly, I, I do think that it's becoming increasingly clear to a lot of us who may have at one point... 10 or 15 years ago, had a whole lot of trust in our government and believed in everything that they told us. Um, I think it's becoming increasingly clear to more and more of us that we, a couple things, that we've interfered uh, in a lot of places around the world where we had no business, and it probably had nothing to do with the security of the United States or the good of the United States, but maybe more to do with the good of certain people involved. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there as a potential issue. And I think also it's clear that we will not continue as a stable country, if you can call us that right now. Um, we are on the verge of something really different and a whole lot of things changing in this world. And a big part of it is because we have flooded the world with dollars in an unbelievably irresponsible way that is killing us here at home. It is killing not only developed nations around the world, but nations that are struggling where their currency against the dollar is losing more and more value every single day. And these are people already living in, you know, huts with no floors. We are what we're doing is hurting a whole lot of people around the world and we've got to rein it in. It's time. Mm. When, when you talk about reining it in, are you talking about us paying our debts? Here's the thing. I'm talking about us not borrowing so much money anymore and starting to be a little bit responsible. Just a little. Give me a little. Show me a path. Here's one of the biggest issues I have, right? We bring in like $5 trillion a year. We spend $7 trillion. I have yet to see anybody tell me like where and when and how that tapers off. So how, that, how those numbers match? Yeah. I yeah. just want to know, you actually believe we only spend $7 trillion? I just want to ask that. I mean, that's... We do know there are slush funds. That's the this numbers is, according to the same government that said we're not true. in inflation. Yeah, yeah, well, this is true. Um, and, and I think some things came out a few years ago about how in the last downturn, we flooded the world with a whole lot more dollars. I don't... I haven't looked at that actually in a, in a couple years well, since it I first came out. Well, I can't imagine Pakistan got whatever million numbers of millions of dollars to study transgenderism in Pakistan. Well, think about this. I was over in Africa a couple years ago. And Where in Africa? I, I was at the time, um, oh my gosh, over on the eastern side and I'm going to blank. Okay. It's Friday. All right, all right. Um, but give me, uh, I'll come up with it. Okay. Yeah. Abu Never Dhabi. Mind. Well, no, no, okay. no. Um, but it, 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 it's. Was it's, it sub Saharan or? It was right about the middle of the continent. I'm going to pull like, it up. Okay, I'm going to pull yeah. up a map. Please My, pull and it I'll up. tell you. Um, I, I, would, I want to go to Africa. I want to see. Do you? That. My husband used to do some business over in Nigeria, which is okay. totally on the other side. Yeah. But um, what, I can't. I'm sorry. I, this is awful. But I'll tell you, one of the things that really disturbed me as I was driving around was there would be clinics that you'd have 
Planned Parenthood messages. And, and, and I knew this stuff was funded by the United States of America. Oh. And this stuff, there would be totally inappropriate photographs, not photographs, like paintings um, on the walls around some of these clinics. And then there was even, I got some pictures, there were construction sites that were totally US financed. And this is a country where they don't have regular electricity, but we were dumping all kinds of money into all kinds of projects. And, and we've seen what happened uh, in Haiti when, mm. wasn't it when the uh, Clinton Foundation went in? Yeah, I'm sure and every dime donated went right to Haiti. Do you know what though? One of the things that they did was there was a bunch of rice that uh, was purchased from Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas apparently produces a lot of rice, right? I heard Texas is the best place on earth for rice. Could be. That's a wild story Um, to me. But let me tell you, a lot is in Arkansas. Who's from Arkansas? (laughs) Whose friends grow rice in Arkansas? I don't know. But all I do know is the Clinton Foundation bought a bunch of rice. and, And some of this also happened with solar. And they flooded the country with rice that was purchased... If I remember correct, well, with rice that was purchased in the U.S., they put local producers out of business. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's do it on a smaller market. You remember Tom's Shoes? Yes. Or if you bought yes. a pair, they'd send yep. a pair to a needy family in Africa. And Africa screamed, please stop. And huh. you know what the issue in Africa is right now? What? Lack of cobblers. Hard to believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, we, we totally... Um, change we change societies and economies when we insert ourselves we change cultures when we insert ourselves if you take a farmer out of the field for two seasons he's not farming there again no no that's just it you know i i gotta say it this is the perfect segue for me (laughs) okay so here i hold a a can of coca-cola right and we're talking about changing the market now you might remember in the 80s when uh Coca-Cola and Pepsi, they started using corn syrup rather than sugar. And this is because our farm bill implemented a process where all the imported sugar into our economy was going to be super high taxed or just not allowed. And it protected our U.S. farmer sugar growers from losing their jobs. Now, we're artif- just so you know, if you go to Mexico, they'll have sugar in their soda or ketchup. If you go to Canada... You know, these communist countries I'm talking about, they have sugar in their ketchup and in their soda. They have mayonnaise. That's not true. (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) I looked. And, and, And then if you come to America, you'll find corn syrup in ketchup and in soda. So, so let me ask you this. You have to, you have to purchase special to get sugar, real cane sugar. Mm. Yeah. So, so. We protect our sugar growers in America from losing their jobs by artificially giving them a monopoly through government and raising the price. We protect our sugar growers or we protect the corn farmers? Maybe a little bit of both. I think it's protecting the corn farmers. But it's the sugar growers that lobby these these people that win Senate seats. Yep. Those people. And I'm going to ask you this. Let's say... I'm, I'm going to throw throw this off the hip. Perhaps you one day win a Senate seat somehow, and you um, you have the farm bill in front of you, and you can vote to protect our American jobs for corn and sugar 
or you can allow the free market to operate and put sugar back into our Coca-Cola. From your perspective as a Republican, where, where would you stand on that particular type of a, a vote? So I have to tell you this. It was Zambia. Zambia, Zambia okay. is where I was. Just south of I, Mozambique. Look at you. Mozambique, um, the nation that gave us two to the chest, one to the head. What? I don't know this story. Just, we, it used we, to be called Mozambique. Oh, okay. So um, anyway, but no, I have a problem with subsidies, mm-hmm. right? That's not what our government was set up to do. And the role of the federal government, I'll tell you, I was out to lunch with Mike Lee a couple months ago, and he said to me, I used to work for, for Senator Lee, and he said, Carolyn, what's the role of the federal government? And it really caught me off guard, right? And I said, you know, of course, constitutionally. And I am ashamed to admit my list was not as long as it should have been. And he said, go home and read the Constitution. Yeah. Well, so I did. And I'll tell you that so we are where we are. For We have problems in a host of things when it comes to government. But so many of the problems that we have are driven by the fact that we fund all kinds of things that we shouldn't be funding. And the more we empower government, uh, the greater they will insert themselves into our lives always, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that from a conservative standpoint and a constitutional standpoint, it is not the role of the federal government to take money from taxpayers to give to any special interests. in a way that distorts the free market. I, I, to give to any special interest, period. But subsidies distort the free market. Yeah, and, and I would argue, I mean, I would, I, I think we need to pull governments out of our education system. Federal government. I'm good with pulling all governments out. I think I, education I actually would be good with that too. I think education yeah. should rise, on, rise and fall on the merits of what it produces. I think having any government in there has... Yeah. You know what? In a free market system, you're not going to have gender studies majors. No, you never would. It wouldn't survive. No. You might have a gender studies additional class you can take that has nothing to do with your degree, but you wouldn't have gender studies majors. No. You wouldn't have uh, any of those studies majors. Now, there are some downsides. We probably wouldn't have anthropologists or music degrees very often. Yeah. Because we would. Yeah. Because if government was out of it, these people would have to go to a bank and apply for a loan. And a bank's going to go, you wanted to get a degree in art? Yeah, but hold on a minute. Think about it. Things used to be substantially more affordable, right? Until. uh, right, until the government got involved. Yeah. There right? you go. Education is the perfect example so, of that higher all, ed. And back then, it was only rich kids that became anthropologists. <laughs> it was only rich kids that went and got a music degree. So the other one, so like let's say you wanted a music degree, you yeah. had to forego that if you were poor and get an engineering degree so that your kids mm. could go get the music degree. Mm-hmm. And then that kid would fall out of the market, not make money, and his kid would start the cycle over. And yes, it is not fair. Nothing's equal. We can't expect fairness. No. You know. Yeah. Nobody hey, said this was going to be fair. Do you know what? So my parents both grew up in Utah. I grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. Um, I'm gone. 
Hey, hey. Don't you, be sorry, Jared. And, and, and do you know Actually, what? Actually, you guys have water and beautiful lakes, and I heard we the fishing do. there is great. Yes, the forests are beautiful. If, uh, yeah. If the ticks don't catch you. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, I, I say this all the time. I grew up a Mormon in New York. I don't have the problem that a lot of Utahns have, and that is backbone, right? Yeah. Um, I've lived here for over 35 years. In fact, I just have to give you this little aside. So, and then I'll get back to my story. Uh, but I live in Draper, and in Draper, Draper was founded by Ebenezer Brown. I am a direct descendant from Ebenezer Brown, who was Why? born in the same area of New York where I was. So, anyway, what's your question? Well, let's remember the. Joseph was from, uh, you know, yeah. Connecticut slash New York. But, but the Golden Plates were in New York. Yeah. Why yeah. Why don't we have Ebenezer popping up as a popular name for kids nowadays? <laughs> that's I a great mean, question. That's a that's Christmas man. tale story. <laughs> Do you think that killed it? Yeah. I have five boys, and I didn't contemplate that you name, didn't. even for a middle name with a single one yeah. of them. Yeah, it's kind of Miss, sad. You missed it's it. It's not sad. You, it's not sad at all. It's a long name. My I mean, dad, how do you even abbreviate that? Yeah, imagine so. kindergarten and that bad boy. My dad <laughs> wanted to name me uh, Melchel, Melchizedek, uh Ulysses. And <laughs> thank God Your mom my saved mom you. stepped in and dodged that bullet. Uh, my dad wanted to name me Roper. Roper's Roper? a lot better Roper. than... Imagine kindergarten. You can spell that. <laughs> Try popping <laughs> Melchizedek or Adam. Melchizedek? Was it the priesthood? Oh yeah, something like that. <laughs> Melchizedek? Yeah, something sounds like, like something that. out of Dungeons and Dragons or something, <laughs> you know? It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you. So, my uh, father was born and raised in Layton, Utah, uh-huh. and it, okay, this is probably my my father's dad. My grandfather was born in 1873. Great year. Loved it. Hold on. Hold on. Uh-huh. So yeah. your dad yeah. would have been put, your dad. So he was, so your grandfather was probably pushing like. What? So he was 97 the year I was born okay. and died that year. How uh, old was he when he had your father? So he, he Are you had, the last born of a last born of a last no, born? No, he had a second wife who, oh. who was my grandmother. His first wife died of cancer. Okay. And many years later, he married a, a much younger woman and had a second family. Well, I had a, I had a grandfather. This guy, this guy needs a statue in his honor. Good Mormon stock. So he had fourteen wives. Lived in Lake Point, right? His final wife. He had uh, twelve kids with his final wife when he was like in like wow. his seventies. Wow. And it, or I don't know, four wives and twelve kids, whatever. But this guy was in his seventies, coughing, coughing kids out. I was like, Can you imagine taking care of little kids? They when didn't have in corn 70s? syrup back then. They didn't. I bet he didn't. <laughs> they take were care healthier. Of I bet he didn't take care of a kid. One. He probably he probably acknowledged the child was born. <laughs> And that was it. Okay, but so here's what I'm going to say. So my dad grew up in Layton. His father was, you know, much older. And they, um, he rode, he would ride his bike. So my dad has a PhD from Cornell. But for his uh, undergrad, he would ride his bike into the University of Utah to go to school. From Layton? From Layton. 
I won't say every day. Well, but even he, if you do it once, that's a, I mean, think about what people used to do to get an education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when my parents got married, they had never been, they both served missions. They actually met on their missions in Germany, but had never been back east. My dad got accepted to Cornell University. His mother gave them a car for their wedding. They got married and drove to New York. Never Mm. been there. Never been there. Like, I I just don't think our kids today understand and appreciate. today could live. You're right. I don't think I could live like I did in the 90s. I get angry if my password doesn't go through on the first time when I log into the educational (laughs) portholes. And I'm just like, my grandkids will never understand the suffering. (laughs) But I, I hate to be the fly in everyone's preparation H, but... Question for you politically yeah. again. Yeah. Back on that table. Trent Stagg is running for yeah. uh, Mitt Romney's uh, seat. seat. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have a pretty powerful campaign message. Supposedly, you know, if you were to explore such options, of course, what would your message be different than to what his is because so far I I see a lot of similarities between you two. No, you know what? With conservatives, there always will be similarities. And so what it comes down to, I think, is uh, abilities to persuade uh, whether that... Look, here's the thing. The executive branch is very different from the legislative branch, right? We all know this. Well, it should be. Uh, But as an executive, there are certain decisions that you can make and things that you can do that are different than when you work in the legislative branch and have to work with others around you and figure out ways to get them to come your way, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you guys a couple of examples. So Yeah, like you would get to rub elbows with Schiff. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so I'll tell you. So um, when Greg Hughes was Speaker of the House, I worked for him, legislative branch. Uh I worked with the... uh, legislature and the majority in in the house which is the republicans um thank goodness and we i had to help them um when they had important issues whether it be leadership or members of that body that the issues that they needed to explain to the public or if there was a leadership issue that they wanted to help the body understand then I would put together, not only I do a lot of the research, sometimes I'd put together the messaging and help persuade people to go the right way by giving them good information. Mm -hmm. Good information drives good decisions. Hughes used to say that all the time, mm -hmm. right? And then CNN and MSNBC comes right behind you and are extremely honest and faithful in their reporting so much. Yeah, yeah, well, we all know how that goes, but I, I think there are two pieces to this. And that is that we not only have to be able to, in a legislative branch, and, and then after that I worked for Mike Lee. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, um, I'm just stepping away uh, from my current position, which is it's an organization that was founded by a number of uh, entrepreneurs and many of them, Silicon Slopes area, who started seeing changes in our state that they weren't really happy with, and hired me to run this organization. And we focus on, uh, from an educational perspective, with elected officials and with members of the public, individual liberties and free markets. And so we, in fact, here's the perfect example. There's some legislation that we're working on this year. And 
I address it from a, a place that's different than most Republicans. And that is, um, well, I'm not going to give it away, actually, because I'm still in the middle of working <sighs> on some leave of this. Us, leave but, us but, but, my but, but let me oh say this to you. Gosh. But people know what I'm working on. But, but this is the piece <laughs> that I'll say to you is the way that we persuade people matters. And I think that after the last six years or 10 years where there's been so much angst in our society politically and everything has become political, that's probably been about 15 years where politics have entered every part of our lives. It, right. I would argue it started about halfway through Bush when people started recognizing the issues in Afghanistan and Iraq are bigger uh. than they seem. I think that's really when it started. Um, when we saw all this money being poured over there and a lot of dishonesty, when you could yeah. recognize, yeah. because metal was touching meat over there, and that makes it so that dishonesty is more recognizable. Yeah. And then we see, you know, the banks are over here screwing us, and then the government gives them money. Bails them out. And so everyone goes, all right, screw you guys. And then the other party does the exact same thing. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. No, you're right. But I'll tell you, I, I think that as a result of all this angst that people feel, we feel it in our personal lives. Mm -hmm. We feel it in our politics. And some people like to talk, talk about it from a place of division. We need to be united, not divided. In a free society, it's good to not agree on everything. That means, that means yeah. we are free. Well, right? that means you're free and also it leaves options open for finding a better way. This is the only way that we find the best solutions yeah. is through conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But here's what I think people are tired of, the bomb throwers. And I think that there is a place and people are recognizing it more and more. For people who have, they take firm stands because their stands are based in principle and well thought out policy. Mm -hmm. But they also understand how important it is to persuade yeah. and help the regular guy on the ground understand why this issue matters to them, how it impacts their life, and why this is the right solution. We need more of that in our politics. And so I always shy away not only shy away, I, I completely resist and reject where we've gone politically in, in these past years where people point the finger and call names instead of discussing issues. That really bothers me. I think that, um, I, I think that if I were to run, that's a big piece of what I bring to the table. I have deep policy experience. I understand the issues. I have thought them through. It took me, I was not an affiliated Republican my entire life. I have been at this point for many years, but I thought through every single issue individually. And it's funny, I, I mentioned this before we went on, but most or, or many of my favorite people growing up and in my young adulthood were like hippie leftists. And I never agreed with them politically, but we had the most interesting conversations, right? Well, and hippie leftists growing, when we were growing up, yeah. allowed you to live your life. Yes. Yeah, well, that, that was, that was the essence difference. of everything mm. they believed. It's very different from what we see today. I shouldn't call them hippie, but they were hippies. I don't know that leftist is the right word. I think that's, that, I take that back. That's what we're seeing today. Wow. 
it was hippie Democrats, right? Mm -hmm. That's a different breed. And I love those people because they just love everybody. And their ideas oftentimes don't have the most practical application. Um, <laughs> but you had to dig deep to pull that. <laughs> I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> but I loved the conversations. And, and mm. truly, some of these people are some of my favorite people in my life. In fact, I said to my husband once a number of years ago, I said, why are my favorite people always like hippies? Like, what mm. is it? Mm -hmm. Right? But I, and there's something I see in them that no one has ever seen in me. I mean, let's be clear that I am the furthest thing from that. But I am drawn to some of these people, even though their political ideas don't quite agree with mine. But I love the conversation. We don't have enough of that. We need more of that. We need more people willing to have that conversation. And I, I think that the way I grew up, the kinds of conversations that I had in my home, my parents were not growing up, uh, they are now, they were not overtly political, but they were always about philosophy, political philosophy and ideas. Mm. Our lives were filled with those kinds of discussions. And I, I always was just kind of thinking about that kind of thing, having those conversations with my friends, which may be odd for high schoolers. I, I didn't study that much, but I would have those kinds of conversations with my friends. Like I found them engaging and most of my friends didn't agree with me. So I think that gave me skills that just don't exist for a lot of people today. You yeah. have to paddle upstream when people don't agree with you. And if you can logically converse with the people that don't agree with you, you can find ways to negotiate yeah. a, a peace treaty. And when you swim up river, you get, get stronger. If you just go yeah. with the echo chamber, you're going to get flaccid and just go along with the mob. And uh, I, I see a lot of that going on today. Yeah, there's a lot. And people oftentimes will just go with the mob because it's easier or because they don't want to dig deep and think. Or sometimes in some circumstances or marketplaces, if you don't go with the mob, your, yeah. your welfare is at jeopardy. Yeah. Your job. If you're a mm -hmm. teacher, could you imagine speaking no. up as a conservative? <laughs> Right. I can't even be, I can't even imagine Can being a male. Can you imagine speaking up as just a regular Democrat as a teacher? Right. And not a radical, you know? Imagine being a male teacher nowadays. It's got to be difficult. Not judging the the Bill of Rights on whether it was written by exclusively white men. Yeah, that's such a funny way to measure things, right? Sure. Somebody said that to me the other day about something, and and they weren't, it wasn't their position, but it was a position that somebody had brought I'm up to them. I'm surprised we can hear them with their oh, wait, it was that you. far. Yeah. It was you I'm telling me about an interview. I'm surprised we can hear them yeah. say that with their head that far up their fourth point of contact. I got to make that a TikTok video. I'm surprised we can actually hear them say, you think you're just like, you know, because literally, I mean. Yeah, it's just such an odd way to view the world. And it is damaging and dangerous. It well, doesn't bring us together. Yeah. These people claim they want unity, but that type, of, that way of thinking only divides oh, and tears Diversity means something totally different I to know. them. But they, they, they don't look at any idea based on the merits. The, the, well, not the, the merits, the pathway and the outcomes. Yeah. Their ideas are only based on 
feelings. I don't know. Uh, 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 Jonathan Haidt, I think he should be mandatory reading. His book, uh, The Righteous Mind, should be mandatory reading. I know his name, but I haven't read that book. Yeah, and you should. It's, you know, it's kind of a dry treat. It's not too dry. It's pretty good. I read a lot of dry but stuff. It, it, yeah, if you're into policy, <laughs> good heck. Uh, have you, have but, you ever read Atlas Shrugged? Okay, here's the thing. I own Atlas Shrugged. that dry. Come on. I own Atlas Shrugged. I have never been able to get through it. No. Well, okay. Jonathan Haidt, he explains th- that you're kind of born with the mind you have. And, and it's kind of genetic. It follows down a path. It can be changed through life experiences. But you're kind of born with it. And there are different... Uh, values that humans have that fall into the different camps and the leftist mind values care and harm differently than the right does and libertarians they just care about freedom that's it they don't care the rest of unless they just want to smoke marijuana it's all about freedom (laughs) what do you mean unless that fits yeah that's it but but and there's been studies done that a person with left leaning in their thoughts will care about a stranger before they care about their own family member. Oh, that's interesting. That is wild. That's interesting. Okay, this is funny, though, because this ties into the whole Ukraine thing. I don't want to go to Ukraine necessarily. I mean, go to this issue Do it. necessarily, but here's the thing. I, I've And even Israel. So I've seen this. I have concerns. Okay, I'm going to go back in time. So I remember my older sister telling me once when she was a student at BYU, I was as well. But um, when she was at BYU, she was in a married student ward. And there was a woman in the ward. I've never forgotten this story because this is the essence of this. For those of you who are Mormon, a ward is your church group, your localized group where you have a bishop like a pastor. You know, we do have some listeners that aren't Mormon. It's your local church. But your ward is your... your company for you military guys that you're assigned to. (laughs) So, and, and this woman had like three young children and my sister would tell me how she would load her kids up oftentimes in the morning. They weren't properly fed or dressed or their hair done, but she would drive around and give things to like homeless people because that was like her being a good person. Mm-hmm. And she defined being a good person by what she did for people outside of her family. But that took her away from caring for the fundal, the most fundamental her responsibility in her life, which was her children. Which and her children got neglected. And I'll bet if you took a look at those children today, I'll bet there are some signs that that happened. That that happened. Here's the thing. I say all the time, the more government focuses on those things that are not its fundamental duty, the less they focus on those things that are its fundamental duty. And legislators like to say all the time, by the way, to the guy wearing the new flag, legislators like to say all the time, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. You know what? But you never do. Because over time, always, the most fundamental duties become neglected at the cost, or that that is the cost for the focus on things that are not fundamental duties. Do you remember when Salt Lake City, maybe you don't, I just assume everyone's as old as I am, but Salt Lake City at one point, I think, 
I remember they decided to have this big focus on climate change in city government. And within a year or two, people were complaining that there were issues with garbage pickup. And I thought right there, right there, absolutely. This is how this goes down every single time, mm-hmm. every time. Yep. So that's interesting that you say that because I was, um, I think I've read some of his stuff and, but that is a, and, but I haven't read that book, I know. And that is an interesting little the data righteous point. Mind. It, mm-hmm. I think it's an important book to read because it gives you clear thought when you're talking to someone, especially from, or even someone who's deeper into your side than you are. It gives mm-hmm. you clear thought into their motivations. But yeah. I think it's, I think it would be as important for business people as Sun Tzu's The Art of War. You know, where that yeah. gives you a perspective on setting up situations to succeed. This one gives you perspective on on relationships and how to how to hone those in. Hey, Carolyn, my, my friend Chad wants to know if you like my oh. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Should I tell you? Should I? So read Chad that? says, let her share her thoughts on the state flag. Spoiler alert, she backs a ballot initiative to restore Utah's state flag. Who said that? Oh, Chad said that. Yes. Yeah, I, oh, have you guys signed it? Because I yes. actually have I a book. I actually have one, yeah, and I'm trying to get it filled. Good. you got to go hang I'm out at the, at the liquor store like, those, <sighs> like yeah. they did the first time, but yes. So here's the thing. Um, I, I, I just, at my core, feel like, couple things that was not only was that a waste of our tax dollars but this is when i had some legislature i work closely with the legislature i have great relationships with a whole lot of legislators and there were some or there was one who said um you know like what what's the big deal why are well there were some who were arguing online, the same one, who was arguing online that it was a waste of time, members of the public, to spend so much time trying to overturn this new flag. And my response to that in my conversations was, if it is a waste of time for the people's voice to be heard on such an irrelevant issue, all the more reason, um, you're, you're making our case that it was a complete and total waste of your time up at the legislature and our tax dollars, over half a million dollars, to change the flag and let's go back to fundamental duty. That's a very good point. Right? If it's it's so unimportant, why did you do it? Why did you do it? And why, right? I mean, seriously, we have a hundred, I just published an op-ed in the Deseret News with Thomas Young, who's an economist, a month ago or so, that talks about the fact that we have $130 million state uh, shortfall state revenue shortfall Hmm. we had five billion extra dollars this year now i don't think i don't think you can point the finger at state government and say you you spent improperly although i think we should have gotten that money back this is because we're going into a downturn and revenue which is the money Mm -hmm. that comes into the government is less than what was projected i asked that i asked that who did i ask that of someone running i was like you know, it was local, but they talked about how they're raising the wages for police officers and city workers, yeah. which, you know, noble as it is. I'm like, we're hitting a recession. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? That's right. In the next year, because we're going to see in the end of that, 
we're going to see either the government goes deep into debt. Well, and we can't or in the they, state. Or they make my wallet lighter. That's right. Which is generally what they do. Or they release employees. Yeah. And those are your three options when you hit a recession. And can I tell you something else? That in the past decade, our state spending has increased 170%. And if you include federal money, it's over 200%. So if, if taxes get raised, um, there's no excuse for that. No. We have increased government spending through the roof. And, and the fact that we are moving into a recession I literally paid, I do have chickens, but they're not yet producing eggs. They're only four months old. Um, and I am just biding my time waiting for those eggs. I had to get eggs late at night the other night, so I couldn't go to Costco or Sam's. And I spent four seventy nine for one dozen eggs. Yeah. $5 for a dozen eggs. Yeah. I saw a statistic recently, the eggs are up 299% yeah. in like the past two years. How many, how many chickens but, did they kill? Uh -huh. That's right. And, and they killed them because our shipping system has started to fall apart and was having hiccups. You can't keep livestock past their sell by date. It becomes a, a it becomes an extra expense. There's only one option or the farmer goes under feeding extra chickens. He mm. can't get rid of. Well, do you know what else, though? The, the federal government requires I've talked to Carson Jorgensen about this. Have you guys ever had Carson on? We have not. He is a farmer and used to be um, prior to the current GOP chair. So the last two years, he was the state GOP chair. Mm -hmm. And Carson told me that there was a plant in. And so he's been dealing with federal government his whole life. Right. When it comes to livestock, I think he said that they stopped raising turkeys because the government is so, the federal government is so strict that you you end up killing so many turkeys because if one little thing, birds are difficult, apparently, oh, they are, right? Yeah. So I was told that there was Thank a you, plant. Thank you, Sinclair. Yes, that there was a plant here in Utah where um, a million birds were killed, a million turkeys were killed wow. due to bird flu and they would not Carson told me this other piece about turkeys they don't allow you to say well can we test every one of them even if we kill them mm -hmm. can we go in and test them and if they don't have bird flu put them on the market the answer is no yeah. if you have one case of bird flu you kill them all and they are just lost you you receive nothing all of that in the hole. You you have those those massive losses. That that kind of thing is really hurting our ability to feed ourselves mm. and our people. But for that kind of money to be spent on the flag, when we are heading into a recession, and everyone should have seen this coming, we knew even if it wasn't this year that it would be next year. Like we knew we this knew was the coming. They printed one third of the money over the history of the United States. Yeah. One third of the money was printed in three years. Yes, a recession because of inflation has to happen. Has to. And then you add all the COVID restrictions on top of it. You add the breakdown of our supply chain on top of it. You add the breakdown of the global supply chain on top of it. A recession is getting out easy. Y oh, yes. It, it has <laughs> yes. to happen. It, it is a law. It's a law of, of physics, you know, seriously. But here's the thing. We've been playing so many games with the market <laughs> since pre-2008-2009. Uh, since the, 1913, go on. Uh, right. 
Um, you, you are correct. This builds over time, and we're now yeah. at the breaking point. Remember, the Fed promised right. you make us, and we'll have no more boom-bust cycles. That's right. I and know. Don't you like how that worked out? the boom-bust cycles got bigger. Can I tell you what I did um, last fall? Uh, I built a greenhouse, and this spring I bought chickens, so that's nice. how much I trust I like our economy. I like it. What, what, let me ask how you. How many firearms did you not buy and not lose in a body? I, I don't know anything about firearms. Okay, I yeah. like it. Boating accident, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, the so, Robin Gun Club. Yeah, we get in boating accidents all the time around here. Here's the thing. I don't know that you'd want me shooting anything, but it's okay. I try. I want everybody shooting <laughs> yeah. something. No, this is true. Okay. So, so the Federal Reserve is currently uh, under, um, I wouldn't say it's under attack, but there's potential for uh, competition through a nuisance decentralized currency called Bitcoin. Yeah. And we're passing lots of legislations to kind of like throw pebbles of dust into the motors that make Bitcoin operate. Do you think the Federal Reserve deserves to tolerate this kind of competition in our economy? I'm not sure that they are tolerating it. Um, I have so many questions about <clears throat> their own creation of, you know, crypto, whether that be Bitcoin or something. Like, I just don't even know what's true anymore when it comes to <laughs> cryptocurrency. I just have to tell you, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't, look, we all know, wasn't it? Did Janet Yellen say, I remember somebody in this administration, and it may have been her, talked about the CBDC. Mm -hmm. Did she actually come out and say something about CBDC? Those I don't want. I don't, I don't want the government to... Oh, gosh, no. I mean... No. They've already got one, because if... I know we say printers go burr, but the, they don't print money. Right. The money is just generated every uh, people <clears throat> on, every, on balance sheets it, yes. every time you run your credit card mm -hmm. money's created every time you get hmm. a car loan money's created remember we're in a, fa a fractional reserve yes. banking system yep. which means i wondered if that's what you were talking about when you said that. They, they have to have 10 yeah. percent yeah. of their leverage in holdings yeah what's that 10% now? Right. It's all pretend numbers. And uh, over the past, what? Over the past 13 years, it was on 0% interest. Right. So. That's super realistic, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. so and the 0% interest didn't come to us paying the bills. The 0% <laughs> right. interest came to the banks of origination saying, uh, and actually the Fed was calling them and saying, you have to take this money, this go around. So yes. every time you get a car loan, a house loan, that money pops into existence. Right. At least, according to our fractional reserve banking, at least 90% of it. So if you get a home loan for $500,000, what is it, $478,000 pops into existence that day. Yes. And then to top all that off, we all got checks. We all got, what was it, three checks during COVID. It's insane when you think it's about it. It's insane. So we're looking at, I know a lot of people are against modern monetary theory, and I don't know near enough about it to argue it, but I would argue we're in it. We are in it. Like yeah. we knew when we were entering. Well, the, at least I did. I think you guys probably did. Like, yeah, no, this is MMT. Was, they said it would be. The minute the computer was invented, 
we were in it. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I, I did talk to some pretty smart people, um, lawmakers, and I said, you know this is MMT. I didn't meet many people who knew what MMT was, uh-huh. modern monetary theory, right? That's I part of the danger. Is, but it's I'm, just the flooding the market with money that doesn't m- exist money, it's, it's, until you create it's it. It's where you don't rely on revenue to fund Correct. government. And, and here's my issue. Why am I taxed at 55% then? Right. Why, why do them sons of bitches think that they have to have their hand in my back pocket every time I move about this world? Because they need the 10%. No. <laughs> I know that's the best. I think I it's know. to make you grovel. Uh, I think it's so once a year, a year you kneel before your king. Because they don't need it. They don't need it for anything. Mm. I think it's so once a year. Well, no, they actually do need it. Here's the thing. Local governments do. That's true. I don't even think then. Because the feds, they just throw money at them anyway. And local governments, they can get it through. Only for California, Jared. Only for California. They can get it through so many other means. No, but it always is a form of taxation. And the fact of the matter is that when the system was set up with taxes, that is what funded uh, government. Okay, yeah, taxes. I could see a sales tax, localized yes, sales yes. tax, a business tax. Right. I could see a localized gas tax. All those things exist. But I think, honestly, here's my one thought is why they tax us. Is so that once a year we recognize who is God on earth. <laughs> Seriously, it could be. I think that's a, why do you think they have it so blind so that you can't just say, Oh, I have this much money flow through my wallet. Here's how much I owe you. Oh, well, you know about that, don't you? That was designed. Now I'm rusty on my history, but that was designed by whichever president put in place. No, it was after. The income tax was established, or as they were thinking about establishing it, one of the really wealthy store owners who had chains all over the country consulted with the president. I can't remember who was who, but I remember this story and gave him the idea of oh, sure. this is the way to do sure. it so that people will actually pay it because they were oh, no. afraid the, that the people reason wouldn't they pay have, it. They, the reason they have the automatic withdrawal of taxes? Yeah. Is yeah. for that. That's under yeah, FDR. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm saying, why do you think it is that we don't have a tax system that's recognizable and understandable? Um, there is not one human being on this planet who knows our tax system. Yeah, but I'll tell you why that is. And we know this. And then I want to address yeah, we gotta go one of the comments. questions on here. Because about the bombing, we totally know it was a hoax. I don't want, um, somebody made a comment, the recent hospital bombing was found to be a oh, hoax. the parking lot that, bombing? Yeah, we know it was the parking lot. I mm-hmm. want to make sure that they understand. Yeah. We, I understand Well, okay, that, let's right? remember, it was the IDF but, who did it, according to Hamas. And then, oops, and then we got phone records, uh, and now it's right. the Islamic but, Jihad. But let's just be clear, it was not the Israelis, and it wasn't a hospital. <laughs> no, it was okay. a parking lot. It was a parking lot. Might have been adjacent um, to a hospital, yes. no 500 people didn't that's die. Right. Might have wounded 15. Well, can I just say that's interesting, too, that we there were reports of 500 people dead and it turns out in the light of day no hospital was bombed and a fraction of that potentially were killed like people were just making up stuff Uh, anyway msnbc and cnn did that oh my stars i know anyways but they also i think honestly our tax system is designed like that 
just to make you scared, to make you nervous, and to make you know who's in charge. But but here's a, that could be. But when you talk about how complicated it is, let's take a look for a minute at the tax reform that the state legislature passed a few years ago that ended up being overturned after the people gathered enough signatures oh, to overturn the, the it. the food, uh, what so was it? It uh, included the food tax, a, a very much increased food tax on mm-hmm. a percentage basis, as well as a very much increased gas tax on a percentage mm-hmm. basis. In addition to taxing services. Yep. So, um, and here's the thing. Good tax policy is, the, the thinking is that good tax policy is lower rate, wider base, What is right? it called? The, the, what is it? Freeman principle? Milton What's Friedman? The, no, it, it's not Friedman. It's, uh, God, there's a, if anybody out there in internet land knows, but there's a principle that, there is a point where oh yeah yeah the, you, there's a fulcrum on taxes yes yes the more it's always about eleven percent yeah no yeah. is it eleven or twenty one yeah, I bet I'm eleven sounds good about fifty five eleven no but I mean eleven percent of GDP yeah but that sounds too low so I think I have it wrong it but it's be. it's a, I, so but I think it's I more like twenty one if I add it it's all a, up yeah everything all on tax on I'll bet I give fifty five percent of my money to an institution that yeah doesn't to a government doesn't earn yeah. yeah no i have no doubt because but but here's the thing if you were to expand and the legislature's argument was that we're moving as we move to a service economy that um, not enough money comes in to fund government because people aren't buying yeah. as many goods. Now, I would say that the and revenue. Fault the, is that? Yeah, but wait just a minute. We've increased spending by, again, when you include federal dollars, by over 200% in a decade. I don't think that's yeah. actually the problem. Well, I mean, we have plenty of money coming in. Laundering is expensive. It's expensive to send money to Ukraine so it can <laughs> kick it but back. But this is just state. But think about this. This is this is what the state spends, and this in this tax reform, um, the big danger is the the more things you start to tax, they may be lowering the rate today. But I don't think any of us believe that that rate stays low, and the more we allow, the more things we allow them to tax the more power they have over our lives ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To me, that was the biggest problem. Oh, yeah. The very biggest problem. But do you know what else I noticed in that bill? That anybody, any industry uh, that had aggressive lobbyists had carve-outs. They did fine. So when you talk oh, no. about the complicated nature of our tax system, I believe that is why but it's so complicated. I don't want to do away with lobbyists. I don't either. Because do you know I'm my favorite organization yeah. on earth is the Gun Owners of America. Mm. And that is a lobbyist yes. organization. Hey, look. That is kicking the ATF's ass this year. They are, the GOA is mopping the floor with the ATF. The ATF is digging out dusty old books to see how they can kill dogs in your yard right now. Because the GOA is uh. beating them to death. So I have heard that Gun Owners of America is kind of taking the place. They are the powerhouse on gun rights these days. The NRA has always been, every gun law that was passed, the NRA, if they didn't write it, endorsed it. 
The GOA was designed to fight against the NRA. How long have they been around? The NRA? No, the GOA. GOA, uh, okay, Handgunners America was 1880-something, and GOA, I think, was 1910-ish. So they've been around for a long time, but but people keep telling me that they are the most powerful uh, they're the firearms. They're the real ones, or or the most influential. They're the, they're the real. The NRA is still the most influential. But, are they? But they're why? Why are they? Yeah, but because you know, whenever, whenever something happens in a gun law, even if the NRA didn't fight it, mm-hmm. who does the media call out? They call the NRA. They make the NRA more popular, just like the Pied Piper plan that yeah. Hillary Clinton put to. To uh, the Clinton News Network and MSNBC Clinton, the What's Pied this? Piper plan, where she said so she said boost Trump. Uh, so all oh, they how did, did I not know about that? All they did was talk about Trump nonstop, and he got nothing but free. So they they've been doing that with the NRA. They build the NRA up because the NRA supported the NFA. The NRA supported uh. the. Uh, the 94, uh, 94 assault weapons ban. The NRA supported all that. Hmm. The NRA was a party to trying to outlaw handguns in the United States in 1903, I think it was, which hmm. is when the handgunners of owners of America stepped up. Okay. Hmm. And GOA, and there's two others that were there. But I'm telling you, I think the power is shifting because as I talk to people... But why won't the media politi- ever mention Oh, no, that could totally because be true. they want the NRA, yeah. the people who back yeah. what they want, to be the power. Hmm. It's like a plumber busting but there's the a reason, of his customer. <laughs> there's a reason why I love the gun owners of America. Why is that? Because they actually go out and fight for our okay. rights. They fight the NRA. Where the NRA, they write most of those gun legislation. Mm. But the media blames what the, the GOA NRA. does on the NRA. Hmm. So that when the NRA is called up to bat, the NRA, you know, fakes a bunt and, you know, make sure they don't even make it to first base. And if they do, they trip over the, you know, the shortstop. You know, they got a plan. Yeah. It's too bad. The NRA was born out of greatness and <laughs> fell on its face. You know where the birth of the NRA, does anyone know that? No. It was Union soldiers that went down huh. and got their asses handed to them by country boys and said, there were Union soldiers from New York City, and said, oh, we need to teach these city boys how to shoot guns. And that's where the NRA Oh, was that's born. hilarious, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New York City's never been as good as the rest of the state. Sorry, mm. never. But let's run through some comments. Okay. We went through the flag. Okay. It looks like um, we've got some questions here. Now, I did have one question. This one might be a little tough. Okay. All right. Someone asked me offline. They asked me when I told them you were coming on. Uh, they asked me a couple days ago. Why didn't you start applying to run um, prior to Mitt Romney stepping out? Yeah, because I'll tell you, um, I was not, I had made the, I had made a decision not to run. Mm -hmm. um, And I I still haven't made a decision to run. Uh Um, 
that I can talk about. What but, they're worried but, about but, is that oh, you know. didn't want to challenge oh, I know. Romney. No, I, that has nothing to do with it. People need to, um, we need to be careful about making assumptions before asking questions. Because it makes we an do ass this out of you all, That's right. We do this all the time in politics. There uh, was a field that it, you know, we had a few candidates in. We currently have three in. Um, there were a few candidates in, a number of names being thrown around, and I was not planning to run. I had chickens and my greenhouse mm-hmm. and a new cat and my job, and I'm happy. What okay? kind of cat? Uh, he's the cutest little black cat. Have you ever seen a dwarf? Uh, what are the naked cats called? I've seen pictures, yes. Oh, I work at Not a my house thing. sometimes. The, the, yeah, the girlfriend, she hates naked cats. But this one's a dwarf one, so it's got these little stubby legs. Oh. It's the oh, cutest cute. little shit. Well, so I, I have a full life, right? Mm-hmm. And I started getting phone calls. And... I seriously have been taking a look at things, talking to people, meeting with people. This is not the kind of thing that you jump into overnight. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. And there were a number of names put up for this that a lot of us could have been comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when it wasn't looking um, like... All of us could be comfortable with our options. Again, I, I started getting phone calls. So I started setting up some meetings and saying, is this something I'm going to look at? And that is, that's why I got in later. But frankly, I have to tell you, I'm somebody, again, with chickens in a greenhouse and a life. And I had no interest in jumping into this race last spring. You know, I work a job, I have things going on. And so to run a race for a year and a half is not something I would have done anyway. Uh, But it has nothing to do with the decisions that other people were making to run or not, except for, does it look like we have the best field that we could have at this point in time? And not only could I not get comfortable with that, Uh, But a number of people I really trust and respect who understand the lay of the land on these things also couldn't get comfortable with it. And so I started looking at this seriously at that time. Okay. It's a good answer, by the way. I just have to, you've been in like the back rooms of the nation's capital, right? More this capital. Does it smell like sulfur in there? (laughs) you know brimstone i mean or do they clean it they have like a special cleaner like a like a febreze oh angelic my. i'm just wondering oh my. You know, i'm peter schiff <laughs> anyway. don't give up those secrets yeah. okay okay yeah so we talked about the recent yeah. hospital bombing being a hoax Oh, O'Malley says, ah, I think we need to remember this isn't about the land they want to kill all Jews. Yeah, and they've said it. Yeah. Right, like this isn't even a question. Isn't it saying uh, all but one tree will say, brother, brother, there is a Jew behind me or something like that. Yeah. All the trees and rocks except for one. Yes. Something like that. I don't know. I heard about that somewhere. Okay. They need to give back their people's gun rights for starts. I say, Israel, drop the ball on that. Israel. Okay, can I say 
I actually, because they have their mandatory military service and they're well trained with firearms. Uh, military service two years ain't that much. Means you're trained ish in okay. firearms. Okay, you're you're better trained, you're trained than a lot of us. Ones. Yes. Yeah. I actually was completely unaware that they do not have no, guns. No, they need to do what uh, what uh, uh, the Swiss do. Oh, it's kind of like yes. New York City. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. 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 Do you think any of them could defend themselves against? Anyone or anything in that city? Well, there was as a kibbutz. Two, as two upstate New Yorkers. There was a kibbutz that was defended by two um, school teachers that were armed. Really? Lawbreakers. They, well, they were legally armed. They went through the process. But I think Israel needs to say, when you're done service, you yeah. know, carry that firearm home with you johnny well they are the we will provide the locker you must keep it in and you must show up to our range day once a year just to just to express your you know i don't even like that i don't even like that the fact of the matter is they are a population that is at risk of annihilation. Yeah. And so, but I have to tell you, I hope, and I said this after this happened, that I hope for a lot of Americans that was a wake-up call. Uh, apparently, word on the street yeah, that uh, a certain gun owners that I've heard talk, because I follow gun stuff, if you haven't noticed. I don't own any guns, I just follow them online. <laughs> mm. That their Jewish sales are ridiculous right now. Oh, that's amazing. In the amazing. United States, their Jewish sales are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to be a responsible gun Dude, owner. You ain't kidding. Yeah. You ain't kidding. I want, everybody. I want the programs to be taught in school. Oh, well, think oh, about this. Oh, by the this. way, Amali May teaches a, a defensive pistol course. Oh, so if you ever awesome. want to take one, yes. it's, a, okay. it's an outstanding it's course. I'm sure she's an amazing instructor. Uh, Israel's surrounded by seven hostile countries aside from Palestine, and they don't let their citizens have guns. Shake my head. That is correct. And then she said, laugh uh, my butt off, Jared. What did I say? I said something probably. But I don't know what it yeah, was. I don't know. <laughs> I, I talk a lot. Uh, Jamie, our last guest, said, go Carolyn Fippen. O'Malley says, what is your opinion on Governor Cox's executive order to have companies pay their employees to do community service? I, I mean, seriously, guys, come on. That, that community service is not a government program. And once we make it a government Damn. program, it's not service. You can't legislate morality. No. And the more we try, the less we have. The more we try to legislate morality, the more we lose as a society. Can I give you an example? Mm -hmm. Do we have time for this? Yes, yes. sure do. Okay, so I remember writing about this years ago, but um, it was probably 15 years ago in France, there was a heat wave that wiped out a bunch of their elderly population. Okay. And I, I, I do you think remember, remember this that. peripherally? And way it happened back in somewhere? England at the same time, didn't there's Italy. I, Italy too. Was it Italy? I believe so. And England? I don't know. Probably. Europe. It pro you know, oh, it was over that, there. Okay. It, yeah, we call them proto-Americans around here. But yes, go on. So, so here's the thing. Um, when they start, when they looked into that afterward, there was a question of how did this happen, um, and I saw some of the temperatures, and it's it's honestly been 15 years since I wrote about it, but. I mean, I swear it was something like 101 degrees or something. Like, how did this kill all these people? And when they looked into it as, as a country, 
here is what they felt like the problem was. And that is you had a society where government, and and first of all, a lot of them live in older buildings. So Mm -hmm. there isn't central air in a lot of these places, but temperatures get hot every summer. That's normal. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this was a couple degrees higher. But what happened was you have a society where government has been put in place of taking care of people of instead of families, families yep. right? And so when they, I, I was reading this one article where they had interviewed a number of uh, people who worked in healthcare and they said society had begun to really look down on people who cared for elderly people. So children actually, the government's taking care of it. Children stopped checking in on their very own parents and because churches. the government, yes, community organizations. When, when, when you suck that money out of the community and you put it, and but here's the thing: it's not only money. You change the way yeah. people view their responsibility well, to their the neighbors. The churches can't afford to do it, but also the families. Honestly, why would you want government to take that over? Government why? is incompetence on parade. Yes, government. Where's the success? You're asking for metrics and data? Uh, just tell me a government plan that was yeah. a success. Yeah. A, not, you don't have to lay out a big one, a small one. Yeah. I'll bet, I'll bet if our national government decided to mow the fucking lawn around the Capitol building, they would fail. Am I right? They hire someone to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. they know they couldn't get that <laughs> shit done. AOC would lose a toe. <laughs> Peter Schiff would have to explain to Satan why he can't be for that meeting that afternoon. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, no. And, and here's government, the thing, too. Look at what happened in Lahaina. That burns my oh, ass like you wouldn't yeah. believe because government killed people there. That's exactly right. Yeah. It, at the very least, it was government incompetence. Killed people. At the very and least. And government yeah. fails at everything. At everything. And for a whole host of reasons. We could spend hours talking about what those reasons are, mm-hmm. but it, it you are correct. There's a reason it's the, never US, yeah. the U.S. exploded on the world like nothing before in becoming the, the economic powerhouse yep. that the rest of the world came to and asked to run the world. Yep. And that's because we had little government. Can I tell you? But they did that at a time when we just elected a shit brick that was making us have more government. And it's, they carried on, on momentum Mm -hmm. until That's right, yep. And now we have an expectation the government will take care of this. Everything. Like seriously, community service is not paid for by government mandates through your employer. It takes the word service right out of it. Like this, and and, uh, so, I remember reading this book like a decade ago. This guy was actually a professor at Syracuse University and then went on to run AEI, American Enterprise Institute. Um, I can't remember any names on a Friday night, but Mm -hmm. um, he, he had this book called Who Really Cares? And it is loaded with statistics. I think he wrote it while he was at Syracuse as a professor. And the whole thing documents the um, what what drives people and what ideologies drive people, what beliefs belief systems drive people. It talks about the actual giving of here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. Giving comes from the right significantly more than the left. Oh, yeah. But hold on a minute. It 
the reason it's a little bit skewed when you take out politics and only look at religion it is religion that drives the giving not the politics it's religion but the politics align with the religion do you see what i'm saying yeah, most often it's religion and and moral philosophy yes well it, it when it comes right down to it it's religion um, it, not for everybody, mm-hmm. but when you look at what what drives the, the groups, it is those who have, you're right, a religious philosophy. Well, yeah, but the new religion that's born right now that we're living through the... Yeah, uh, through the, yeah uh, okay, you're right, you're right. The, the religion of wokeism, I mean, I don't love that term. It is a religion. It is a religion. It has original sin. It has all the... All yes, the earmarks. It, it just does. doesn't have... Uh, being bathed in the blood of the lamb yet. Once they figure that out, I think we're going to see profits and all that shit. You know, it's kind of weird you would talk about that because me and my wife were having a conversation about tipping the other day. And she used to work at that Eckert's Theater. Uh-huh. And she was at the concession. And, and the Republican-type events yielded much less tips than really? Democrat-type events. So I don't know, maybe that applies in the form of a different type of giving, but yeah, we, we, she has noticed that. Maybe tipping sits outside that paradigm and that'd be something to look into. But here's the thing. I've been told that in Washington, D.C., it's opposite that. Hmm. So I am curious, like. Oh, maybe it's the weak party. The weak party shows more compassion. But when you look at these overall statistics, that actually isn't the case. It is a religiously driven and it is it, there is an overlap with party. Um, but and it is not just but it may be the types of giving differ. But when you look at it, it is all the way down to giving blood. No kidding. It's mm-hmm. giving blood. Yeah. It's doing service to your neighbors, doing service for your neighbors. It is giving money. It is giving time in every studies. way. It is. These statistics are pretty clear. And a lot of it. Think about it this way. When government, you can say that government can take the place of religion. So that's an interesting anomaly. I don't doubt it. Um, But you can say that government takes the place of religion, but here's what it misses. It can only substitute for so long because there is a virtuous cycle with people, right? Mm -hmm. You give to me, you feel love for me because you know that you're helping somebody who needs it. And I feel gratitude to you because you're helping me when I need it. Yep. Right. But when I pay the tax man, I'm not feeling any love. And when you get that check from the government, you aren't feeling gratitude pay for these kids. That's right. I remember that lady saying that. So think about what that does to society. I got 10 kids and somebody's got to pay for the Obama or the Obama phones. Remember that? (laughs) Like you totally you change the culture when you insert government in. Someone had those people thinking that he was going to buy them all houses. <laughs> probably probably the media. Dude, how embarrassing is that? Jeez. To be the person known for yelling, I got my Obama phone. <laughs> She's oh come on. She's probably on YouTube like checking out how many clicks she got. Yeah. I don't know. Someone did a follow-up with her. I can't remember. Oh, really? But she was an anti-Obama activist shortly after that. That's oh, that's wild. interesting. I think about something. But anyways, let's get back to okay, this. Okay, we'll go back. All right. O'Malley says Greg Hughes doesn't support. Trent Staggs. 
Okay, that's I, I we need to follow up with Greg Hughes. Apparently, you yeah, know, he doesn't. I would like to follow yeah. up with him just to see how he's doing. Yeah, you know, and what he are his and future I are close plans? friends. What's and you know what? He is staying pretty busy with he does work with the Sheriff's Association. Good, he also, um. Is on Rod Arquette on Wednesday nights. Good. Oh, Sylvester and the Cat. Don't get Dave on. Dave Dave likes to flip Rod Arquette's lid once a week. I do. I, I, provide, we, I provide the Utah Dave, pushback. Dave is uh, on the... He grew up LDS as well, but Dave is on the libertarian side of Republican, and um, I am on the, the, the radical side of libertarian. <laughs> and so Dave will call and ask him about... Uh, some of our um, some of our laws in Utah and why we have them, and Roddick generally just hangs up on him. <laughs> well, I'm a conservative, so I would hang up on you too, possibly. Yeah. Well, I just wonder, like, why why does a Republican and a conservative support, as Dave would ask, uh, the ABC? Yeah, I do think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. but that is that is more of a conservative position than a libertarian position. Um, I, I I struggle with that a little. Yeah, I don't, the libertarian I don't, position is why can't you sell guns and hand grenades in yeah. the DABC? <laughs> I but, want but one I, stop shop. I but want, I do get the argument there. But I, I want also, the Walmart of alcohol stores. I want to be. I want the Walmart slash Jerry Signer M1 Abrams with a drive through. Yeah, but here's I want to be able to pull in, buy my M2 Bradley. Buy my M24 sniper weapon system, my whiskey, pack of smokes, untaxed, yeah. of course. See, see, we would disagree on some of these things, and that's okay, because what that's not even what oh. Look, Look, I do think I, I'm okay. I know smokes are bad. I'm okay with government. You do your thing, man, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with government um, placing limits on things like alcohol. Um, because that is, and I so don't want to get into this discussion today, but because that is something just like drugs, there are impacts that are societal, that are long lasting that, and I had, I got into like a multi-hour discussion one time with, uh, some guys from Libertas over this. Libertas. Um, yes. And here's the deal. Yeah. If heroin wasn't illegal, but was regulated yet legal do you think fentanyl would have got on our shores yeah but here's the thing i'm not going to make decisions based on those types of anomalies fentanyl is coming in because we have an open southern border i i I think it would come in regardless oh some of it would the majority is coming across that southern border you know why fentanyl is the number one choose to uh travel no i don't because if I wanted to carry same value of heroin to fentanyl, uh, yeah. I would need Weight a envelope versus a semi truck. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, but let me tell you this: the um, when that's came, why marijuana is stronger now than it was forty years ago. Oh, I have no doubt. But listen, in the state, and I don't want a big drug discussion, but in the states where uh, we were all told that if marijuana would be legalized that the illegal trade would go down it has not 
I looked at some stats about a year ago. It has not in the states that legalized it. It has not decreased. And so I don't know that you cut out. You you look them up. I doubt things have changed in the past year. If you're smoking marijuana legally or illegally, if you're smoking it legally, it would have to go down. Could that be a price point difference? Yeah, unless the government's charging more than the street dealer. First of all, because anytime you have regulation, there are taxes and things on it. Okay. So So it was cheaper. Yes, you have a price point difference. So you have no controls. So when you talk about fentanyl, the same thing is going to happen. I don't think think fentanyl would show up. I don't think it's here now. But I don't think it would have been here. Yeah. Now, I am I not a drug agree. user. I do yeah. drink, but I don't use drugs. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I'm not a user of marijuana. But I do think, and I'm not. I used to be okay. I'm a complicated touch point with. If we were to legalize all of it, I think we need to legalize it. But we can't do the radical things that Portland did. You can't legalize drugs and defund your police at the same time. Right, you can't do that. Yeah, but so you're mm. acknowledging that there are more societal costs. There are hazards with drugs. Yeah, but I also recognize that I think you corrupt, you philosophically corrupt your justice system when you are going to start charging crimes where there's no victim. But you're saying there's no victim, and that's just where we disagree. Well, a person victimizes themselves. Yeah, but but that almost always leads to changes in society. We're sure. talking about changes in society sure with does. government policy. Sure that does. leads to changes in better. society that touch me. I, I feel the same way about McDonald's. If I could ban McDonald's, well, because I look at I look at a lot of the people today, yeah. and yeah, I think about how much... Those are not equal, and I'm perfectly happy to get... To, to make the case mm-hmm. when They're he's not done. Equal. Which, one, which one has a bigger cost on our healthcare system? No, but what I'm saying is that one actually has a purpose as food, whereas drugs are purely recreational. So you mm. cannot equate those two. But go ahead and finish what you were saying. Well, I, I think of all the people that work in hospitals that yeah. have to lift these overweight people up so that they're yeah. comfortable yeah. and they blow out their backs and then they have to get lifted up yeah. or, and then they blow out the backs yeah. before you know everyone's blown out their backs <laughs> trying to lift that person or in the hospital the, no we have massive getting, societal problems i'm not going to argue with that or yeah. just getting insurance where insurance prices are ballooning because the number one health problem that insurance deal with is self-imposed obesity yeah. and heart problems it is do you know i have a sister or, who lives back east and her um after obamacare like, we've always purchased our own health insurance. Mm-hmm. That is so expensive. I think it's tripled now it's since 2014 with like a, it's varied between a five and $7,000 deductible, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, after Obamacare passed, one of the big things that we saw, and I know this because I was part of the team um, with Greg Hughes that fought back Healthy Utah, which was Obamacare Medicaid expansion, which was expansion to a mainly um, single able-bodied population that refused to work even part-time, okay? In order to qualify, that was pretty much what was going on there. And we beat that back. It got 
passed um, by the citizens a couple of years later because it sounded like free health care would be awesome. And now we're going to have trouble funding our education system as a result, which we warned about before. But I will tell you that I, th- I think, not I think, I know that we started seeing this not very long at all after the passage of Obamacare. And that is that we were told that Obamacare would solve the problems of people not being able to pay medical bills, right? You know what it did? We had deductibles that ballooned so high that people weren't able to pay their deductibles and hospitals were literally closing down. Hospitals that were able to stay in business pre-Obamacare were either closing down, a lot of rural ones closed down, or they were bought up by large hospital chains to sustain them. Grantsville had a clinic. Really? And they no longer do? Well, they've got a new one that tried open, but it's more specialized. They had a Mm. general practice clinic. Now you've got to drive up to Tooele for it. Really? Yeah, no, it changed... It changed everything it about did, our healthcare it did. system. But when insurance companies write the law, you can't expect it to be right. perfect. Yeah. But but uh, right, fascism has to fascist. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's gonna stay. <laughs> no. Yeah, we're realizing that's where we are in a whole lot of things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I will also. I think. Uh, our prescription medicine programs here in Tooele need to improve. I know I've been to the emergency room and the doctor's like, well, we'll give you this medicine. Well, okay, guess what? The pharmacy closes at like seven o'clock and I'm not out until nine. So you want to know what all those people telling us to throw away our prescription drugs? I just want to say thank you for those who have helped me in times of need. And that wasn't the pharmacy. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing. I know heroin's on the streets, and I would much rather the pharmacist down at Birch give out the right amount and advice on how to use it. Yeah, no And an option for help. Yeah. Because right now, the heroin dealer, he's not given an option for help. No, I know, but again, you change. He's stepping on that bastard. He's stepping on it. Yeah. I'm a graduate of the drug interdiction school. And the shit they step on it with, they told me about, rocked my world. So, I we, would just... We got a laughy face on her. Did we? They're laughing Weaponization of federal agencies. Can I tell you? Um, I may have skipped a little. I just saw well, that What's one. your stance on the border in Utah's policy regarding illegal immigrants? You covered that just a second ago. Yeah, we, yeah, we have a border problem. When it comes to Utah policies uh, regarding illegal immigrants... This is kind of funny because there are, it's not funny, but it's, it's funny because recently we had a, a bit of a controversy where the feds tried throwing Utah under the bus to try to get the state and local governments to do what the feds want them to do. And I'll tell you how I know this. I had met with federal agents um, under this new administration who told me that this explicitly that this administration was the problem. Now, we have an issue with um, our, our local law enforcement, our sheriffs, not wanting to enter into contracts with the federal government to do the federal government's job. The federal government, do you remember under Obama, we started hearing a lot about how 
federal agents would not pick up illegal aliens after they'd served Mm -hmm. their time for committing crimes or after they were picked up by local law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And there were these, were they detainers or something they were called? Like these short-term holds, right? So it is the federal- And when local sheriffs would pick them up, the feds wouldn't come. They wouldn't come and get them. They wouldn't come and get them from the local. So the locals would just have to let them go. They would have to let them go. Because one, they're not equipped to adjudicate that. That has to be adjudicated on a federal level. And we're in this, like the courts have ruled on that, mm-hmm. right? I would love it if our local government could do something. The courts have ruled on this. So there was a recent controversy where um, the feds wrote a memo that they leaked to make it look like it was the sheriff's responsibility and fault. But this is the same policy that they're talking about. And some people didn't realize that. The same policy that we heard about under Obama where the feds are refusing to pick people up. Now, there are contracts that local sheriffs can enter into with the feds where we house them. But here's the thing. Do you know that if we sign these contracts, if our local sheriffs sign these contracts, uh, they are required to provide a separate barber for illegal aliens than our inmates have. They are required to um, provide better food. They are required to allow them or to give them separate entrances and exits. They get treated better than our people. And we have to build, the only way we can accommodate it in most places right now is to build new facilities. Now, some administrations, while we've entered into these contracts, some administrations have not checked things out very thoroughly so we've been able to make it work the obama i mean the obama the biden administration obama i don't know uh, the biden administration is holding our feet to the fire we would need to be building new local facilities to house them we can't afford to do that and and again we're only in this situation because the, the feds are refusing to pick them up can the local facility be a greyhound bus with a one-way ticket to tijuana <laughs> Well, you know, I do think it's pretty interesting what um, some border state governors are doing. Oh, dude, that is fantastic. Yep. That is send it to the places that called for it. That's right. Unless that's, that's right. what Cox means by community service. Like we all have to go in and drive some some uh, specific type of resident to another location. Yeah. And can I say... I can get behind that. Can I say, we talked about this before we came on. Truly, I want... A wide gate with a tall wall. Come through, come through legally, be a part of our society and love our country. I want to make it easier for you to attain a green card or citizenship Mm -hmm. or a sponsorship. I want to make it easier, but I want to make it so that if you don't follow those legal manners. These are our laws. Then it's a punishment. Yes. And the punishment is, oh, you come from Guatemala which country doesn't like Guatemala? Okay, you're going to Haiti. <laughs> and that's where we drop you off. Oh, we got confused and send you to home country. Oh, too bad. Now, now still, though, that would punish me, the taxpayer, because that's still an expensive endeavor. Now, these people, they come in it'll illegally. Expensive I in, have to pay for be, this transportation. It's it'll expensive be an anyway. Expensive look endeavor twice. Now, I'm thinking maybe. I'm, uh, thinking, I'm thinking Jose had come through, and then you'd see the cry out story on. On We On News about him. They, they dropped me off in, in Guam and this place sucks and I don't speak the language. And, can, and then and then Guillermo, he'll, we'll drop him off or, or whatever, pick the name. We'll drop him off in another shithole. 
and then no one else will try it. And can I tell and you? When it's easier to do it legally, right? why wouldn't they no, just No, literally, that? I was just talking mm. one week ago to a friend of mine who brought his family here mm-hmm. legally uh, from Brazil, v- extremely successful businessman in Brazil. Um, their funny thing, um, their uh, currency is tanking right now. Why would Brazil's currency be tanking when the world is being flooded, flooded with dollars? Yep. I can't figure out why that would be happening. Well, that, but it is. Also, Southern Southern election, election, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but literally this happened in 0809. It happened in 2015. Um, and that is that developing nations, their currency was tanking against the U.S. dollar because every time we pump out these dollars, they are they are um, like not weighted. That's not the correct word, but I'm going to use it against the dollar, and it negatively yeah. impacts their currency. Yeah. And these people are already poor. But Do let you me think t- when they inflate us, it doesn't hurt a country that measures their economy off the dollar too? Well, that's right, right? Yeah. And they all do. So here's the thing. So he's telling me. I mean, he's fine. He wasn't complaining, but he's his had, wife's from Brazil. That's why. Oh, we, is she? That's why yeah. we know all the ins and outs. <laughs> so they've country. had massive you know financial losses at home that they've been dealing with but he wanted to come here to raise his children right he came legally his family came legally but the hoops they are still jumping mm. through after a few Ridiculous. years How much did is it cost unbelievable you, you can't be a middle class person and make it here right there's a reason Especially why everyone the, yeah. says oh well you know when they measure well look at these immigrants are doing so well yes the illegal immigrants have to be the upper echelon yeah. of their country. It's so hard you know? now. Yeah. But we want to make it so that their middle class, even their lower middle class, can shoot their shot. That's right. If you, know, you if you opportunity or is even part time their shot. And then yes. for anyone, the next moron this is well, what does it say on the Statue of Liberty? What oh no. What did we write on the Statue of Liberty? That's what that governor of your guys' home state said. Uh, we didn't write it. The frogs did. <laughs> and and I, I do call it, I do say I'm a former New Yorker. Yeah. So what, what was it that you were going to say? It looks you guys are an exile. Well, when you're coming from another country, if you drop half a million on a business, you can pretty much get yes. your uh, yes. your papers. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. most people don't have half a million to no. drop. No. And that or you find a young Air Force man. And, you know. Or they find you. <laughs> Either way. Anyway, it was Kate. fate, Jared. <laughs> It's not like it was. I know. You stole her from her ex-boyfriend. I heard the story. Okay. Okay. Weaponization of federal agencies. I say this all the time and I'll say it again. If we were not printing all the money that we're printing, federal agencies would not have the ability to be weaponized against us. It needs to stop. And it's occurring because we're funding them to the degree we're funding them. That and also we have an adversarial government. We haven't had what government? We have an adversarial government. Oh, an adversarial government, government, absolutely. Our government is adversarial. Our government does not work for the populace. And I don't care if you're a Democrat right now, you need to know this. Your government doesn't work for you. Your government doesn't care about you. Your government... It has nothing to do with you. Your government will gladly kill you to keep their power and their ways. They don't care. They don't care what your, your... political leanings are the only reason the only time they would care about you is if by killing you it would harm their standing that's it period end of discussion sounds lovely 
We have an adversarial government. We do have an adversarial. I can agree with that part. Our government has gone from a parasite. All governments are parasites to a predator. We have entered the stage of predator. All right. Okay. O'Malley says, Dave wears that shirt because he's a shitster. I mean, instigator. (laughs) Yes, he does. And sometimes I do. Yeah. It's a fairly comfortable shirt. I have one too. I just, I'm sophisticated enough. Your tax dollars probably bought it. Probably. (laughs) It says McKay on the back. Anyways, what's your opinion on Brad Wilson? That's the midget comedian, right? Brad Wilson. Brad Wilson is the current Speaker of the House. I've worked with Brad on a number of things. He's running for this U.S. Senate seat. He's also a midget comedian. Stop. He's hilarious. Stop. Okay. There is a Brad Wilson. Oh, there really is? Yeah. He's oh, hilarious. Okay. He's a, one of my favorite I comics. may have to look him up. But yeah. so, no, I've worked with Brad on a lot of things. Look, every single, so Brad's in this race, Trent Staggs is in this race, as mm-hmm. is Rod Bird, who's the Roosevelt mayor. I, I have a good relationship with every one of them. Yeah. Right? I have different opinions about how things ought to be accomplished. I have ideological opinions at times. And uh, I, I feel like if I were to get in, I would be the best candidate in the race. So I have differences about um, kind of viability as well. I, I'm friends with every one of them. Yeah. And I actually really dislike, we talked about this, I think at the beginning or before we came on, I really dislike personal attacks, period. I, I like everything to be based on policy. I see the world differently than, than Brad Wilson um, in some respects and the same in other respects. I met with him during the legislative session along with Thomas Young, who uh, the economist who I wrote that op-ed with, because we were... S- a number of groups had been working on larger income tax cuts for the people of Utah than we were getting. I met with him. At this point, a lot of those negotiations had taken place, but we were going to be running this op-ed and I wanted to just give him a heads up and say, hey, you know what? We think that there's a whole lot more the state could be doing, should be doing. This is the people's money. There's a $5 billion above trend surplus and more of it should be coming back at least double we felt like so uh, you know i have a relationship and he's a decent human being i I don't like any kind of personal attacks and i hope i wouldn't be personally attacked either good it it takes away from the campaign when people attack personal issues that make no difference and i will criticize on policy all day long Right? I think that's what this should be. That, mm-hmm. that helps us really know. I don't consider that negative campaigning. Some think, people do. I, I think it's constructive. I do think policy is important because yeah. that's what governs, not the size of your hands or the color of your skin. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And it's not Brad Wilson. It's Brad Williams. He's a comedian. Oh, Brad Williams. I apologize. Okay. But anyways, he's hilarious. And most of his jokes are about how he's a small person. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, O'Malley May. Now, I have to say, O'Malley May is from uh, uh, Midgrad, or what is it, Stalinville? Um, she's, she's from one of those gulags over the mountain. But she says, yes, our taxes are still going up. Well, and local taxes are... I, uh-huh. I, I, I keep looking at what um, is, is occurring with schools and how Did you districts- see the monstrosity they're building on the way into Tooele? Oh, they're building the temple, but right next to the temple, they're Uh building a, this school is huge. It's the biggest school I've seen. Seriously. It it is insane. 
Can and I, of course, it's got the fancy architecture because you know you got to stroke your eagle. Well, they're trying to compete with Corner Canyon. Have you seen Corner Canyon? I haven't. Although I will say, it was from what I was told, like forty million dollars less than a much uglier school that was built about the same time. And I'm not going to say the well, name this, of that. Well, the one, school but. they're building isn't <laughs> ugly, but no, Corner but Canyon is beautiful. Why do they have to? The architecture is beautiful. Why do we have to spend our money know, like that? I know, and I will say this: I agree with you. I have been told that it doesn't cost any money. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's free. It's free. Let's pull it right out of but that. But can I tell somebody said this to me it, it, during the last downturn. In fact, my father said to me, he said, you know what is really striking to me is that when I drive up and down I-15, what I notice is the most beautiful buildings that have recently gone up and are going up, every single one of them All is a government, government. building. All every government. single one all government yep. and it's always been that way it, and it's ridiculous or it's, a bank uh, good point <laughs> there's nothing with government involved in banks no yeah nothing i repeat myself okay <laughs> oh she says and the bird flu okay um the, the NR. yeah the, the bird flu is you know um holly says i love carson Jorgensen. So do I. I just talked mm-hmm. to Carson yeah, last it, night. You yep. know what? I think he did good. He pissed off the Republicans around the state, from what I understand, or the Republican higher up echelon. Some Republicans. Yeah, they were mad that a a person who you know makes a living with their hands and not with their yeah yeah ability mm-hmm. to fund other people making a living got in there. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was a good step. Um, I. I I think we need a mix of both, but we shouldn't push out people who actually earn their money and have calluses and such. Yep. Um, where are we at? NRA can bite my rear end. Yes, they can, O'Malley. Uh, okay. You were talking Why about they laughed. Oh, Mozambique. Mozambique is a military term, term from back in the day. Oh. Now it's called a failure drill because we had to go politically correct when you execute someone but Mozambique oh, was that's what you were talking about two to the chest, I didn't understand one to the that. head that's Mozambique okay. or okay. that was Mozambique <laughs> unless you trained in the 90s you wouldn't understand that term it's probably called the John Wick now well it's a failure drill in official terms but John Wick would work I like that Oh, O'Malley May shows up with her normal question. Dave's going to ask about sugar and Bitcoin. O'Malley May is going to say, do you listen to Jesse Kelly? I listen to Jesse Kelly when I'm... So I used to do a podcast with Kim Coleman. Mm -hmm. And I would always be driving two nights a week when Jesse Kelly was on and I would Mm -hmm. listen to him. But I am finding myself... We stopped doing the podcast about a year ago and I'm... I'm never in a place where I'm flipping on the radio in the evening when he's on anymore. So only if I'm in the car at that time. Yeah. Right. And and when you're super busy, it's hard to seek out those traditions. It is true. I have um, two. So like I said, I'm a mother of five boys. My oldest just turned 30 and my youngest is 15. And Mm -hmm. so I really, really like my evenings with my boys yeah and your chickens and you get to build that bond and uh, we <laughs> could go into whole... refuse to bond i'm telling you well, they yeah. refuse we to bond. go into a whole side point i've heard that if you raise them as chicks and they're around yeah. you a lot that they actually do yeah like they'll mother hen you but I, i've heard a side point as you get older and you have younger kids mm-hmm. 
and I noticed this like with my siblings' kids. I, I uh, that you, when you're young and have kids, there's still a rush in you. Yes. But when you're yes. older, there's yep. You've molded into your life, and you want to. I'm a different mother yeah. completely. And I'll bet yeah. his older brothers like that kid is so spoiled. They say it all the time. Well, yeah. Yeah, they because always like. He gets all your just time. Just a minute. You're wait, not going to miss a ball game. No, I never have. Yeah, wow. Well, but I've always when been. You're not, younger, not that I've never missed, but I've been when intensely you're younger, involved with my kids, even younger. But I was when, too involved. Oh, you're one of those. Tiger mom. I was kind of okay. My kids start violin at the age of three. Oh shit! Dang. Shit. And let me tell you, she's, I, she's I, chasing the Chinese moms. And, That's what she's doing. And I will <laughs> tell you. My oldest son's a hippie, and I I directly attribute it to that you style of parenting. You run but <laughs> and he's amazing. But I love it's, hippies. It's not just that, but when you're younger, like especially you know, like say if your if your husband had the more nine to five job, he probably had a harder time to make it to every game, you know, or to make it to every event and and yeah. to build that up. Whereas nowadays where you're set more in your ways and you've moved up that ladder. And, and you don't gained, have little kids at home. You've gained more liberties, too. Yeah. When yeah. you're older, you've gained... When you're older, you've been at your job longer, so you got more vacation acquired. you got more... They depend on you more, but with that depend... With depending on you more, they also give you more liberty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, so I was home for 20 years raising kids. Mm -hmm. And I always was kind of involved. I always well, was involved in things. At three. I know. Yeah. I And Dude, here's the thing. We did You violin. brought home a B, that means barely made it. Now, here's the thing. I was raised in a family with five girls, and then a brother was the youngest. He was like 12 mm -hmm. years younger than me. Girls are a totally different beast, right? Yeah. A beast might be the right word. but yeah. so They require more direct in the moment attention but when the boys require attention there's blood and hair on some <laughs> i literally was like what do i do with these crazy children mm -hmm. like my boys every one of them ultra active always yeah. and i we did music um, mainly because Which I, I want to discipline. Good on you. No, music, I think, is important. I wish I'd have learned uh, yeah. to play anything. But music, I think, is just looking around the world. Like, I think the most intelligent people that I like to pop in and listen to, like Coleman Hughes, you all see that they have a background in music because I mm. think that wires your brain. Yeah to work in different ways than just tactile. Yes. It, it teaches you it, to listen. Well, and it, it, not just listen, but it wires you to think different. Yes, it wires it you to think And in, studies show that. In, in clarity, but also beauty. Yep. And and also to, and, and they're learning to make their hands do different things, which makes this brain get more yep. wrinkles in it. I yep. think get your kids into music. If I was to tell anybody one thing, get them into any kind of music. And I'll tell you, I when they're 14, they're allowed to quit because by the time you're in high school, yeah. you do your thing. And and we were pretty intense when they were younger, at least for the oldest. Yeah, of course. Three or four. And I'll tell you. A um, means acceptable. <laughs> C means, you know, can't have I dinner. actually, yeah. I actually, <laughs> I, had, I had kids who were teaching each other to read. So they were kind of doing their own thing. Right, yeah. um, and, and they, uh, most of them were driving themselves quite well. But, but I had, um, oh, I have one son who is just, 
hilarious. So I let them quit at 14. He ended up switching to cello when he was younger because he wanted to sit. And I was like, that's not a good enough reason, but it was for him and it worked for him. And he, in high school, he'd go to his cello lessons, you know, downtown, we're in Draper, drive home, never pull his cello out the whole week and go again the next week. And my husband would look at me and say, why are we paying for those cello lessons? I said, you know why we're paying for those cello lessons? Because Margaret, by the way, his hippie teacher, I don't know, if she's kind of a hippie. She, I, Cause Margaret loves him and he goes and he sits and plays the cello with Margaret for 30 minutes a week as a high schooler and he loves it. Yeah. And so I'm gonna keep paying for that lesson. Well, and I'm telling you, uh, Get your kids into music, any kind of music. And I, I agree with you. Get them into it young and let them pop out if they want to yeah. when they're older. And then they have, they have the ways of thinking. You know, the other thing I wanted them to learn, I wanted them, you can see it in something like music. I wanted them to learn that when you put in effort, the end result looks different. Well, and seriously, the smartest political minds right now are all musicians huh coleman hughes do you know who he is i know the name but i couldn't yeah. say coleman hughes he's a he's a like his degree is in music yeah but he is he is he's a political mind that i really like to listen he's the guy that argued with ibram x kendi about why you uh, shouldn't get a he's a black guy huh why you young, shouldn't get what reparations no why reparations yeah. are deleterious argument. on yeah. the people and the society. Huh. And he argued in front of Congress. Huh. But yeah, but he's a musician and he's brilliant. And then you got Ibram X. Kendi, which I think that guy might know left from right. Maybe. But he's a college graduate. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting how that's going down? Uh, oh, we're getting big. Okay, we, we got through the mandatory. Um Jesse Kelly, yes. <laughs> What's your thoughts on... Envision Utah. Envision Utah. What so, is Envision Utah? It's Cox so, uh, Plan Society. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think it was before Cox because I remember when I was working at the house that they were around. I don't know. Look, I don't know the genesis of them. And frankly... Moral I, Joe. <laughs> um, Davos. I, I'll tell you what I think... The number one issue in our in our society overall is, and it is organizations driving policy everywhere you turn. Yep. Right? We have organizations with parent organizations that exist in Washington, D.C., and they feed all the way down and at every single if level. If our government wasn't so involved in our lives, they would not be doing that. They would go out and sell these ideas to the public who yeah. have to live with them. Well, and think about this. These organizations, I don't know how Envision Utah specifically is funded, but most of these organizations, I know they get government, some government money. I don't know if it's complete, uh, completely funded with government money. Most of these organizations are funded with our taxpayer dollars to in indoctrinate the people we elect. Um, well, let's just say this, to sell a narrative to the people we elect that is consistently in opposition to the will of the regular guy on the yep. street. And also I think what they do is they show up and they say, here's some money for your state. And the next year, here's some money for your state. And the next year, here's your, some money for your state. 
and the state gets used to that, and the state keeps spending that. Do you know what that. else happens? And then they show up and they say, we can't give you the money for your state this year unless you do this. And the state's like, we oh. depend on that now. Do you know, and I don't know because if that's the there's case, not but a listen. Governor Sounds like a good idea. Balls big enough in the first instance when the Department of Education no, shows oh, up the to federal say, government, yes, but these no, organizations. Any of them. They need to say. That's what the federal government does with everything. Yes. The federal government, yes. but also these organizations. We need a governor who's got balls. Yeah. I want clankers. And who I understands. Want, I, I want him to say, you know, kick rocks. Yeah, right but off listen the start. to this. I think sometimes we discount, when it comes to these organizations, we discount the influence that comes simply by them saying they're the experts. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That is massive. Yeah, the and I, class. I realized years ago as How'd I was... they do for us? I Well, I know, but that goes to measuring results and no one does that. Mm-hmm. Words so, are like spells. That's why they call it spelling. <laughs> when they produce these words of expert, they cast their little spell upon you and you all of a sudden think, oh, well, if they're saying he's an expert, then I better listen. And when you're pulled in, you're told... These are the guys. They bring us the studies. They I'll tell they us have the a stuff. Great sandwich bar when and they do that yeah, too. And think about Free it. Coffee. Our money funds the studies. Uh-huh. It funds the organizations through membership fees. In many cases, what was that sometimes UN direct study funding. They got found on environmentalism. They got found to be bunk with the angel study. I don't know. It got found to be bunk. It was a big deal. But, but that's you, why we've got all these environmental shit. Yeah, games. well, if you want to look at some of the... I, I could... We're not going to do it today because it's a Friday night. Yeah. But... And this could go on for hours. It might. But, but let me tell you, you want to look at the UN. When I talk to people who are big on, you know, we have to do this and this and that in order to address climate change, I always ask them about the IPCC reports. The angel study was the faulty one of that. Okay. Where they built the hockey stick crap. Okay, yes. Came from the IPC, which is Mm -hmm. IPCC, which is the UN. But I have never talked to a regular person who's on the anthropogenic, which means man-made, anthropogenic global warming train who even knows what the IPCC is or what their studies or models are. Well, and then they say all scientists agree, but have you ever looked looked up the... uh, the call for study, what is it called? The call for contract study or whatever. When the IPCC put out, hey, we want you to, they don't put out and say, hey, we want you to investigate whether or not <laughs> no. humans are the cause for global warming. They put out and says, we want you to prove that humans do this and we'll pay you this much yeah, when the, you do. The, so all the scientists are like, this is going to fund yeah. our department. And even then they don't all agree. So here's yeah. here's the thing. It was Obama who used the 97% of climate scientists agree. Yeah. And I have um, investigated that. Like people have written about that. I haven't had to come up with the data. Mm-hmm. People have written about where that 97% came from. It's absolute total garbage. It came from 90, it was something like. It came from Obama. Probably. Well, well it was it something it like... It wasn't scientists altogether. But correct. It was, and it they was weren't a, all climate scientists. Yes. And it was 97% of the articles written mm-hmm. on a particular thing in a particular time Come period. Come into the mic there. Sorry. Yeah, in a particular time period when the government was, to your point, funding studies on well, climate they change. A, they put out a call to prove something. 
They don't put out but a call to find out. That's how they always do it. Yes. Yeah, and that's how we're getting corrupt. And then, and then you look at it. But I'm the daughter is, of a scientist. There is one who only climate, got paid by private business. But, Go and on. And that's how it should be. Yes. There is one climate scientist that disagrees with that IPCC, and that's the founder of Greenpeace. He comes out against it. Yeah, and, and he is not even close to the only one. That no, narrative is actually starting to break right now. It is. Yeah. It is. Because, I mean, let's look at California. Let's look at, at incompetency on parade. So about 15 years ago, California started saying you have to pour piss into your diesel engines to capture particulates, right, at the cost of an economy. I mean, it hurt our whole... Diesel is our most important for right. your happy ass to eat. Right. Hmm. The yep. most important is diesel. Well, look how Germany's economy used to... Yeah, Germany's... Uh, I know. Well, well, they're going all green, and now they can't no, afford no. They, And a bunch of these European they countries are turning I mean, already. I mean, at least right? France didn't shut down their nuclear power plants, but Germany did. And right. Germany is screwed. Germany's done. Well, they're dependent on Russia right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for or, or their us. natural gas. Us for their now. natural gas. And what got popped? The Nord Stream 2. Right. So now they're dependent on, I think they're getting it mostly from Sweden now, but they're burning lignite coal, which is brown coal, which is the shit coal to burn. Instead of our clean. But, yeah. yeah. And, and the lignite plants, so I've heard, take 24 hours to start up and make produce right so during the day during that seven minute window north of that tropical parallel you know when you've got that seven minute window of sun and maybe wind they get that seven minute window of sun where they're powered by solar but you can't shut those coal plants down right so they have to run 24-7. Yeah, base load. Base load is the issue, and we do not have solutions for dealing with Good the base load job. power problem. And so drill, baby, drill, right? Yeah. Angela can, Merkel did good. But. Can I tell you, like, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Czechoslovakia when it was oh. Czechoslovakia. Mm. My companion and I were the first sisters in the country um, wow. after the wall came down, and we saw... I can't tell you from when I what went year in. were you there? Oh my gosh. Do you think I'm going to tell you my age? Yeah, I am. Um, it was 91, 92. 91. So you're, you're wow. two years after. Yes. And I'll tell wow. you the difference between what you saw even in the grocery store when we first got there versus when we left was night and day. I love the story of when the premier of Russia, uh, which was it, was it, uh, uh, Khrushchev, I think. Was it Khrushchev? No. I remember when he came, when, when he came one to of them came to, came to the, and, and walked into a grocery store. On his way I can't back, remember who it was. On his way back to the this airport. This was the 80s, man. My yeah. memory on doesn't go back to the far. airport. He said, stop here. Told his driver, just stop there. Random grocery store. They stop in the grocery store. He walks through, walks out, gets in the car, dead face. Drive to the airport, and the reporting is that all the uh, that on the flight back he openly cried. Wow! And he said they lied to us. Yes, he had never. This is this is the head of the Soviet Union, and he says I've never seen that much food in my life. That many choices. Yeah, crazy, huh? Everything. And that much, frankly. And that's right. That's in that's in the in the. 80s you know we weren't hopping that much then right and he was like holy cow they lied to us yeah 
They invented a system that that uh, it was kind of like a fax machine that they used from subversively. You know what its number one use was? What? To tell everyone where sausage was. Do you know though? People would drive. Well, there's 10 Russian hours, bread lines for a reason. Ten yes, hours never. to get their hands on sausages. No, but I asked people when I was there, did you believe Pravda, which was the mm-hmm. Russian newspaper? And people laughed at me. Yeah, no. They but didn't. they didn't. But but when there's no avenue for truth to get through. Oh, but, they, but of course, yeah. they, they still had no idea that we were living the way we were. Oh, no, no they idea. didn't know it was that good. No, but, but let me give you this story, too. But the too. Romanians, they knew there was something better. <laughs> so I, was, I went back for the first time uh-huh. in 30 years um, last fall. And... There, I saw the Skoda, which was the car that they produced, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. It was and the only good it, socialist car. Well, it wasn't well, good. Go. It wasn't good. Maybe for a socialist car it was, right? Yeah. And I asked one of my friends, is the mission president there now? And I said, Darren, like, what's the deal? The Skoda's still around? Because they were junk cars, right? He said, oh, yeah, and they are really expensive now. Wow. Think about this. Skoda made a, made a car that they were going to try to compete with Ferrari. Skoda made Like a, recently? It's called no, the Lada? No, no, the Lada is, <laughs> is, but no, Skoda made one in, uh, in the, in the fifties, in late fifties to compete. No, huh. no, it was the sixties to compete with Ferrari. And then he got locked behind the curtain. Never got out. Oh, wow. See, that isn't surprising. It was an but interesting listen car. to this. When you have a centrally planned economy, think about that and then think about what's happening here. When you have a centrally planned economy, you lose innovation. Oh, yeah. You lose quality. Oh, yeah. Right? Like when you, so my dad holds a time frame. Yes. My dad holds a patent on the catalytic converter. Okay. Not, really? not the original, but the next one, which mm-hmm. was 30% smaller and 30% more yeah. efficient. By oh, the is way, it the platinum one then. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I will tell you this uh, the original inventor, there were two original inventors of the catalytic converter. My dad was in school at the time. One was a neighbor of ours. Well, they both were neighbors, but one also is a university of Utah graduate for his undergrad, Mm -hmm. as is my father. And, um, there, there was a lot of innovation that came through Corning. It was Corning incorporated Mm -hmm. that they both worked for that came through Corning out of the university of Utah back in that Mm -hmm. frame because of one of the instructors there. Anyway, it's, it's an interesting history that I need to write down and record at some point because I've talked to people about it. I didn't know about it till I started talking to some people at the U frankly, and then went back to my dad and some of his colleagues and I'm getting these stories and I'm like fascinating, but this was driven out of the university. These people were educated by, um, I think Cutler was the last name of the mm-hmm. professor there at the University of Utah. And all of this expertise was developed there that was taken into the original catalytic converter and then the next. Um, 30% smaller, 30% more efficient. But I've watched what happens with even when we have government grants driving um, driving science as far as what we're even looking at and considering when it comes to not even just climate, but like we all want to live 
and breathe clean air and drink clean water. There's not a single person who would argue with that, right? We want to live on as clean of an earth as we can, but we're focusing government dollars right now, not on giving us a cleaner earth, but on creating and not even the most innovative solutions. I think we're creating avenues of wealth for the politically connected. That is the way to say it. Yep. I like it. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're doing. This right here is the most magical thing that's come around in ever. Think about it. The pocket crystal. What would happen? It is destroying our lives, though. Can we say, can we admit it? (laughs) But where else can you have the knowledge of human history in your pocket? Imagine if the government had taken this over in <laughs> throw a year out what we'd have if, oh, no. if if the government had taken it over in 94 right this would look one it'd weigh about 37 pounds and still have a purse <laughs> if the government took this out in 2002 right before the iphone come out you might be able to uh, look up movie times kinda and it'd be on a, a green background with black writing you might get that far and we because, know this because government stepped away from that I know. because government let the free market manage that what are the two what are the two medical procedures that go down in price and up in quality year after year boob jobs boobs and LASIK yep oh LASIK yep yep, yep. Because they are. I knew not, it about LASIK. They are I not, obviously never mind. Go on. They are not Didn't government the controlled. <laughs> they're not. They're not government controlled. Yeah. Because no, doctors exactly. are allowed to. Yep. Deal with them on the free market. Medicare is not setting the prices for them because insurance isn't. Yeah. Right. It, th- that's what happened. The regulation with, yes. is. Yeah. Don't harm your patient. Yes. And the doctors are like, we'll get better at not harming our patients. And giving them better sight and keeping ourselves busier. Better sight. Yes. You know? Yep. I have. LASIK is one of the greatest blessings of my uh, life. LASIK, I, I have think, thick glasses. Yeah. LASIK is. One day, maybe. Contacts. LASIK, one day, maybe I'll do it. Yeah. LASIK is yeah. miracle. It is a miracle. It's a miracle that doctors figured out that they could shave the eye to make it. I know. The, the 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 lens that you need. Yeah. Uh, um, how many lives, how many well-beings do you think are saved by that one thing? It's amazing to think about. Yep. And it's amazing to think that... That was the free market right there. years ago, it was the, that's right. our whole medical system ran on that policy. Yep. Think yep. about With that. Think about how delicious this Coke would have been <laughs> had we had free market sugar. Uh, okay, we've got, we want to ask two more questions okay. and we're going to let you go. Okay. When will you decide? Do you have a time frame? When will I decide? I would say be listening to the news over the next couple weeks. Will you and come back on? There may be a decision that. And, when, and you've been a very candid talker. This has been an awesome conversation. And she and talks like a New Yorker. You, I do. You've I allowed do. me. No, you a talk, Mormon from New York. You talk like a non-politician. <laughs> yeah, thank you're you. You're willing to. Thank you're you. willing to yep. dig into the mud with me. And will you come back on and and after you decide one way or another? And let's, yes. And either way. Either way, we can go into the weeds, whichever direction you decide. And if you win, we go do your do the podcast over in your office in oh, DC. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, Fair? if if I were to run and win. 
um, we would have that conversation. That's an awesome conversation. To I, I, I want to do it in there just because I want to see. <laughs> hey. You know, I'm going through the look. hallways. Just smell it. We would need to invite <laughs> I mean, Tooele County to Washington, D.C. for would, a podcast. I yeah. would like to go see it. Yeah. I would like to go and, and have Sounds a direct like a movie. talk. And <laughs> another thing I would like, and I think this would be important, and yeah. if I could talk to Mike Lee, I'd say that. I'd say, um, Mike, we talk with your constituents. Um, once in a while, re- get back to us on, you know, just reach out. Now, Stewart was great about it. Oh, Chris Stewart? Yeah. Now, Mike Lee, he hasn't been so good. And, and I don't think it's him. I think it's his handlers, you know, yeah. his cadre. I, you know what? I have to tell you, I, I, you know, I worked for him for three and a half years. And it can be, they exist in a bubble in the Senate. Oh, I'm sure. And, I, and I'll bet he has a cadre. It's one so guy, hard. One I know. guy is packing a melon. Great guy. But no, he doesn't work there anymore, I asked. Oh, that guy, he has never felt rain on his shoulders, I swear to God. What's this? So there we were in Grantsville. And the guy has the biggest head I ever saw in my life. Holy shit. Okay, we, to, nope, nope, nope. We're not going to talk personal anything. No, it's not personal. He's just He was a great dude. Yeah, I liked he's a great guy. <laughs> With the big he's head. He's a great guy. But it got the feeling because he was out doing a Mike Lee talk and then he came out. And and I bet as a senator, you're cloistered up and not allowed it's, to. There things things don't always get through. And you're not allowed to. to I know. To, uh, because think about this: when I was working for him, he said to me one time, I I would represent him. I was his intergovernmental affairs advisor in the state, mm-hmm. so I I had I already had had relationships with the legislators, so that was like the perfect fit for me. I continued working with them and county level officials throughout the state. Okay, and I there was one time in a meeting, I said as I came out, I texted him or I texted him during it I said I want to make sure I'm representing you properly when I take this position and he didn't get back to me right away because he's a senator right and he said to me he called me after that meeting and he said Carolyn if you are ever and he said yeah you're right on you always are I'm just gonna throw that in he did say that (laughs) but but he said if you're ever in that position again where you've you are you're about to say something and you just want clarification on my position. He said, you have to understand I am a guy who at any given point in time has 500 unread texts on my phone. That's his text. That's his text. And And I'll bet his phone probably has to be set up through a switchboard. I'll bet the numbers they give out are to those minions. I oh, the so. numbers that are given out. But if you have his number, you actually have his number that he has never changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but, and, but let me I'm tell not, you. Chris Stewart was the same. Was yeah. he? And he told me, he said, so if you've got to know right now, I'm probably in a committee hearing or something. If I don't get right back, you just keep sending that same text. You just send and send and send and send. Because there could be 10, 15, 20 coming through and you want to be up at the top. Mm-hmm. Like, think about that. Like, that stresses me out no, to think I'm, about. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. And you'll end up in that pickle. I am getting... Look, I'm not even a candidate. And my life is like a teeny piece. And I um, I, I feel this. And we're yeah. eating the whole cake. And, and it's tough. <laughs> and, and the way you we're have sorry. to... sorry. The way you have to look at it is... Is... Um, 
is the senators, like in Rome, or, or they're, they're the noblemen, and they're required much they, more time. And the congressmen are like, uh, I think in Rome they call them, uh, uh, they call them... Tribunes. College, uh, what do they call them? Might be it wasn't Tribune, but it was at one point it was Tribune. But when they actually had, it was college, something college, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so they're amongst the people. The senators are supposed to represent the state. They're not supposed to be someone that the regular people reaches out. But then again, the federal hmm. government went and wrote a new law and screwed up that idea anyway. So it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, be, right, because it was supposed to be the state yeah, legislature. Yeah, popular that, vote, yeah. how many, how many, you know. And now, we keep we keep thinking it will change nothing when I we know. make these changes. Yeah, I know. A, a plug out to Mike Lee. He and has then, a podcast out called Line by Line for the Constitution. And he goes through the Constitution line by line, and he does an amazing hmm. job. I recommend well, I'm sure he does, if yeah. you want to learn the Constitution, Mike Lee is the guy to learn it from. He grew up at the dinner table talking Constitution with his father and his family. <laughs> and this guy, he puts out a fantastic explanation of the Constitution. It's called Line by Line. Look it up on YouTube. Excellent, excellent podcast. All right. One last comment. Okay. Holly says, thank you for coming to our humble county and sharing your ideas with our citizens. I look forward to inviting you to our next to inviting you out next month for more people to meet and learn about you. And next time you're on, we'll cover the 19th Amendment. Good night, everybody. <laughs> thank you.